Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. All right, yeah, yeah, it's a Wednesday. Hanging out with you here in the DriveHubler.com studios. KB and Andy, Mark Dighton producing today's effort. It's the wake-up call. KB's got his Notre Dame stuff on. Did they play last night? I meant Big to one check. one tonight. Green out. All right, Green there it jersey is. night. Green. Notre Dame-Miami, <laughs> 7 o'clock I uh, cannot wait for that one. Let me know if one. you guys want to hang out and watch. Uh, probably not. We'll hang out. Maybe it'll be on the second TV. Let me move my camera to here, by the way, Mark. It was all off to the side. I don't know what querying company we're doing in here. All right, let's get it going. Second TV. Uh, what the hell else are you watching tonight? That's a good point. What is, it is on? a great point. I don't know what else is on. There's some college Real basketball on. <laughs> Orange Golden County Bachelor. Is that what you're watching? Tonight? Big Brother season 38. Real, Real Housewives of Indianapolis. That's what we're watching here. Uh, but KB last night, uh, pretty good night for Purdue. Looking good. Jawan Howard. Wow. We were just talking before the show how much longer uh, he may last at Michigan. Uh, and then, and then the Pacers. A valiant effort. I don't know if we want to go through the. It was a valiant effort oh, or not. God. A loss, nonetheless. No Tyrese Halliburton. A close game uh, in Jokic. A stone cold three to end things. How are you today, my man? Boy, I just, good? I, yeah, I am good, by the way. A little patchy fog on the commute in uh, from a closing delay standpoint. Looks like very little, but yeah, just keep an eye on that. Uh, a lot of rain. We ever going to see the As, sun again? Uh, I know. It is one of those moments. I'm like, <laughs> like this yeah, week, next week, anytime. Uh, darkness <laughs> is going to be here until probably what? St. Patrick's Day at this point. Uh, boy, valiant effort. I, I understand why you throw that phrase out there, but damn. You hate it, wasn't don't you? this team in the in-season tournament well, championship? Like, I, I know. That's uh, what I'm struggling with this morning. Haven't they heavily contributed to Adrian Griffin no longer having a job? Um, I understand why you say it, and certainly life without Tyrese Halliburton is going to be difficult. Boy, Jokic stepping into that clinching three. It honestly reminded me of, reminded me of like when a dad enters a gym and he hasn't shot a basketball like in three months <laughs> and someone just tosses him the ball and it's like the slow one dribble step in three. And that was Jokic last night putting the game on ice. I, I, I kind of thought the Pacers should have fouled there. I don't know. I feel like NBA teams are so like against fouling and extending the game. Did Miles Turner fall asleep as well? Yeah, yeah that's, that's another was thing. an open look. Was Shepard supposed to help? Again, it's a little nitpicky. I largely thought the game really ended in the third quarter. I know you, you can't get into back-and-forth game moments with Jokic and Murray. Like <laughs> That's just a no-win situation there late. Carlisle's ejection, I actually thought that was a very interesting sequence. Um, I might be reading too much into it. Andy, I thought he got ejected to defend Pascal Siakam. Oh, oh, did you? Okay. I thought it was strictly a defense of the new star. If you watch the play... It looked like a foul, not in slow motion. It looked like a foul. Never reacts, though. Right. I mean, you would think a player would be more demonstrative. Some sort of reaction, and Rick just loses it. I mean, that was one of the quicker ejections (laughs) you're going to see there. That's, I'm not going to get just one technical. That is, I'm getting the two, I'm getting the Evo in the third quarter. Yeah, and he certainly did. But um, again, uh, you are at a position right now where in the short term and the long term, and I say long term in the next kind of couple of weeks with the trade deadline. You just can't celebrate 
you know, feel good, mar- you know, moral victory stories. I just, I just can't do it. Um, the standings don't allow you to do it, and again, the trade deadline evaluation doesn't allow you to do it either. Um, so yeah, disappointing because obviously there were some promising moments. Ben Shepard continues to be a guy that is going to be very hard to keep off the floor moving forward. I think you like that a lot. Siakam, great start. And then... We yeah. went two quarters without making a basket. Right. For and, whatever reason. They're Denver doubling him, tripling him. And I he understand. struggled a bit and then no one hit a shot off of Siakam in that fourth quarter either. So... That's three straight losses for the Pacers. Uh, They will get back to practice today and then quite the back-to-back to to close out the week in Philly and Joel Embiid and then Phoenix on Friday. Again, no back-to-back for Phoenix feeding into that game. So uh, the difficult home stretch continues. Dustin DePirak will join us uh, at 830. We'll talk about that. Yeah, Carlisle gets the heave-ho as angry as you had seen him. 19 points in that third quarter. And I woke up, you know, I know I led there mentioning valiant effort, but it's not... KB, it's not how I feel either, I, and it's it's kind of a difficult dance, I feel like, that we're doing here because they don't have Halliburton, and when you mention we can't sit here uh, and in one side of our mouth say no one is as valuable to their team or, you know, there's five, ten, seven, whatever the number is, players that are this valuable to their team, and Halliburton being, and he is, by the way, one of those players, um, you know, and, and then not give a little bit with the Pacers not having them. But the reality is here that they've lost, what, five out of the last six and they're the seven seed right now if the playoffs were to start and you know, if they were to start today, which of course they don't. We still have some months left of the season. And then you just throw on top of it a team that you're right there in the win-loss column in the Miami Heat. You know, we're leaving the show yesterday, later parts of the 9 o'clock hour. They go and they make a move to get Terry Rozier. Now, I think Terry Rozier is an inefficient basketball player. I think he's kind of a little bit of a gun. But that makes them better moving on uh, from Kyle Lowry. And so last night is one of those nights where it kind of fits the mold of what we have seen, does it not, Kevin, the last couple weeks that you want to say, boy, uh, you know, there, there's there's some positives. You mentioned Ben Shepard. But in the end, it's a loss. And in the end, you know, I'm kind of tired the last couple weeks. And this is the problem, again, with the Halliburton injury uh, of doing the moral victory card, of doing the valiant effort, of doing you were right there, if not for this or that or whatever it may be. The reality is the third, uh, you know, the third quarter was crappy. The reality is that no one could hit a shot in the fourth quarter. The reality is as well, you went like two quarters without Pascal Siakam making a bucket as well. And it adds up to five out of six and you have two more difficult games games here before you might get a chance to get Tyrese back. Yeah, That's should, the reality. I should probably preface a couple things, Andy, on the, you know, I, I can't sit here and just say moral victory and, you know, hand out orange slices. I would say a part of why I can't say that is because the squandered opportunities in November. You know, I I feel like we are going to have to go back to that month. Well, and Charlotte, look at Chicago. What could have been at home. You know, I, I thought we did a nice job, and Rick Carlisle, I think, helped us out in saying, Guys, we got to get off to a hot start. I mean, like he knew what the schedule looked like here to start the season. And I just felt like when you didn't take care of those opportunities, again, Portland at home, Charlotte at home, Chicago at home. Um, I think there are some others in there as well. Uh, you lost to Toronto by a point. Then you're kind of playing with fire. And at some point, you can get burnt a little bit. And right now, they are playing with fire again, just where they are in the Eastern Conference standings. I mean, 
Andy, they're a game up on Orlando for eight. Orlando's already clinched the head-to-head you know, series with you. They, they, they've they beaten you two out of three. Uh, you only play one more time. So if all of a sudden you get to the end of the year and you're tied with an Orlando team, they are above you in the standings. And then the other thing, too, is Halliburton, incredibly valuable. I've said he, he is close to defining the acronym of most valuable. But the trade for Siakam is supposed to lessen that. I mean, that that, that is a, a reason why you make a trade of that magnitude. And this is a team pre-Siakam. We've seen them play very good basketball this season, even without Halliburton. Hasn't been perfect, but certainly much better basketball this year than they did last year without him. Um, and, and I don't know, maybe it's just a cherry on top of just such of a bummer string of bad news for this team. But nonetheless, last night, as Andy said, 114-109, triple-double for Jamal Murray, uh, Nikola Jokic, one of the quieter 31-8-7s you'll ever <laughs> see from him. Uh, slow motion all night long, just welcome to my pace. It's like he, He's like the old trusty mower that takes 13 <laughs> seconds to start, but damn, that yard's going to get cut. You know, you know, And it's been cut like that since 1981. You know what he is? Uh, I, me and Jimmy Cook were going back and forth. By the way, uh, I have a Jimmy Cook, something I learned about Jimmy that we might have to get into in the 9 o'clock hour. Uh, it's funny. That he's a Manchester United fan uh, among Alabama, Duke, and the Chiefs. <laughs> no, I'll Yankees, take, baseball. You, you know what it is? I'll tell you right now. They were talking about he wears, instead of his wedding ring after wins on Mondays, he wears a Chiefs ring instead of a wedding ring on Monday. Oh, Jake Fowler. God, <laughs> that is... <laughs> Jake I'm afraid to ask context around uh, that. Is me, there any? Me and Mark is there were any go- acceptable co- context Sorry, around that? Sorry, honey. <laughs> me, and Mark were this g- off. me and Mark were going to do that, but our teams never win, so it's, so it's okay. Uh, you know what Jokic looks like? The Joker looks like... He likes he, beer and he, pizza. Yeah, well, he does look like that. He looks like he just always should be wearing sweatpants. That's what he looks like. Oh, sure. He, yeah. That's how uh-huh. comfortable he looks yeah, he like. he looks like a Snuggie. Yeah, he hits a three and just shows no emotion, the dagger, as Miles Turner kind of got lost there. So, I don't know. Where do you sense – this is where I need I need help here. Where do you sense fans are with this? Because I think fans get tired of the valiant effort. We don't have our star player. Oh, I, I, uh, I, think, I think they're about done with that now as you look at you know being the seven seed right now in the East. Yeah, I think fans get it. I think fans get where the calendar is. They get where the standings are. They understand that you know in 15 days you're going to have a trade deadline. And, okay, Buddy Heel played how many minutes last night? Yeah, 22. And in the fourth Scored quarter, one basket. you know, when you couldn't throw it in the ocean, you didn't go back to Heel. If I can critique one thing with Lloyd Pierce, I thought going to Shepard was a great move. Thought maybe some offense, defense, subs there late just to get another shooter on the floor. Turner and Neesmith, you know, just clank after clank on open looks there late in the game. But that's certainly a conversation to touch on. Uh, Pretty stress-relieving efforts from Butler and Purdue last night. Butler does what it needs to do, and boy, do they set up a stretch now the next month. Quad one wins galore for the Bulldogs. Uh, How about giving away a pair of tickets? To Butler Nova on Saturday. Oh, we let's did this do it. Late last week, we, we rewarded an early listener to the show. Let's do that again. Mark, leading scorer last night for the Bulldogs. 317-239-1070. You give us the leading score. We'll give you a pair of tickets to a checker out Ooh. inside of Hinkle coming up Saturday afternoon with Villanova. Purdue just surgical, Andy. Uh <laughs> I feel like you always walk away from a Purdue game and there's one thing that you just shake your head at. Andy, they didn't have a turnover, a single turnover until the under 12 media timeout of the second half. 
They went 28 minutes without <laughs> committing a turnover last night. They, um, at half, I think they were up 20, was it 21 or 23, something like that at half. They're 24 and a half. Okay, yeah. 24 and a half. 49 25. Poor Joan Howard. That ain't going to last too much longer. Zach Eady at halftime was two of seven. Yeah. Among, you know, Didn't score until like the 12 minute mark. Imagine yeah. saying to Juwan Howard before the game, and hell, Juwan's probably got a lot to deal with right now. So maybe it's Phil Martelli. Imagine saying to one of them, hey, uh, Zach Eady will be two of seven at halftime. They're going to say, uh, where where do I sign up? Sharpie marker? Do I, I need to go shirt off for that? Uh, two of seven, <laughs> and you're down 24 at half. Well, I mean, Braden Smith was 8 of 31 before last night. He got off the schneid, if you will. couple couple slump Jones, busters, if you will, for the teams around here. Lance Jones, very, very impressive again. Um, I mentioned this to you earlier in the week. I was kind of finding a time to get to it, and I think today makes a lot of sense. I feel better about Purdue here in late January than I did this time last year. I want to explain why. I think that there's one specific individual okay. that I think makes me feel better about Purdue moving forward. And it's just another reminder of, like, Zach Eady is still Shaq. I know last night he didn't go for, whatever, 30 and 15 like he's been doing. Yeah, home, night in, 16 night out. and 10, another double-double. But right. Andy, he had just come off of three straight games of 30 and 15, and this is against the Big Ten. Like, when you get into conference play, you're supposed to be a bit limited or, you know, you are scouted in more of a serious manner. These teams are used to facing you on a somewhat annual basis, and yet Edie is still putting up Shaq-like numbers. So at some point today, I want to make sure that we get to that uh, on why uh, I feel better about Purdue. Joe Lenardi, by the way, does have Purdue back as his number one overall seed. Well, I they know should, UConn. They, they should be. UConn is one in the polls. Yeah, that's but fine. I think it, does, when you, it doesn't matter. When you look resume-wise. Yeah, it's not, yeah, it's not close. Purdue's got more of those quality yeah, wins. I, I, those I, tickets went fi- fast, by the way. Those good, there tickets you go. Beer Brooks, right? Now, now yep. Just make sure. Now, when, when does Butler let you know if you're sitting in a blue section or a white section so you're not the guy wearing the wrong shirt Mark, on TV. feel free to look this up, but I'm pretty sure they have announced okay. the, these sections. It looks great on the graphic. No, I mean, it always looks great. You just don't but want to be the you, one guy. You need people to cooperate, <laughs> certainly here. Don't yeah. be the one guy. So we give you Hopefully the tickets. Hopefully Thad Mata going to join us, by the way, later in the week. Uh, good, that'd be good. So Thad Mata will join us uh, coming up here at some point this week. Again, 99-67, your final last night in West Lafayette. You know, oh, and I... I, oh. I by the way, Uh-oh. go ahead. This is going to be we the got some blue news. section. Okay, so, blue I, section. Mark, who was that? Was that Travis? Travis. Okay, Travis, rock the blue. Okay, no offense here, but it's much easier to have a blue wardrobe than it is something that's all white. Am, am I? Yeah, am I, I right I with that? Like I mean, I, and all, I'm saying that wearing a white gray sweatshirt right now. I, I understand feel like the that. all white is like one of the shirts you get for like volunteering somewhere, yeah. or like you yeah. catch a t-shirt at a sporting event. <laughs> That's and it's how like, I feel. Here you go. I, I just feel like every time you get a white shirt, you're like, there's only a matter of time before I get ketchup on that thing. Like, oh yeah, it's you're the gonna, worst. You're gonna spill dirt on it. The kid's gonna spit up something, yeah. and it's gonna be it's gonna be ruined going through the Everybody's wash. Everybody's gonna know what I had for lunch well, today. And if you're a big guy like me, you know black is is slimming or dark blue or navy or whatever it is is also slimming. Let me say one thing because I think later on I'm gonna have something that will add to why I like Purdue uh, and it has nothing to well it has to do with their team. But I'll explain when when you toss yours out. One more thing of this Purdue game. You know the thing that. In this type of setting, uh, and they play all 15 guys last night in whatever, you know, Braden Smith shoots much better in the first half. Robbie Hummel talked about it, that on Peacock last night and everything else. But they're up like 15 and, you know, 10, 12, 15 in these. And they're, they're not going to lose the game. Like, Purdue knows they're going to win the game. 
and their starters, and you saw this in the IU game, and that's a much bigger game, a much better atmosphere, obviously. Their starters are diving on the floor for all these loose balls. They're the ones doing the Ben Shepard play, out hustling. It's not Michigan or the other team. I'm not even picking on Michigan. It's Purdue doing that, and that's something that I've seen consistently this season. It's just something that gets lost when you win by 30 in a game you were never going to lose. Boy, Shepard is really really striking me as a guy that just, I, I don't know where the minutes come from, but man, um, and I know he's not Buddy Heald. He, he's not, but you know, I'm trying to watch the game last night and think, okay, where do you get minutes? If right. you trade Heald, is he, again, he's not well, the shooter. And, I know. Um, but boy, he's earned it. He's earned, I was disappointed to see Obi Toppin and well before, did Jairus Walker, I don't think I don't, he got any run. I don't, I don't remember him even playing last night. No, he didn't play. Uh, so Pacers lose last night. That's three in a row. Purdue and Butler absolutely dominant on both of those. And a couple of Colts NFL items to get to at some point today. Again, we've teased this a little bit this week. Should have some time uh, with just one guest. But what if with Dan Campbell? He was a coaching candidate for the Colts back in that 2018 cycle. We'll kind of uh, go over what exactly transpired then. And uh, the old fumble out of the end zone <laughs> rule. You got some thoughts on that? Oh, I got some thoughts on that. Oh, yeah. You better believe it. I think I found a decent resolution Okay. To it. Okay. I don't know. I'm going to need some confirmation. From, and from uh, some Giannis has a new coach. Did Doc Rivers stab Adrian Griffin in the back? <laughs> and if you're ESPN, do you call Jeff Van Gundy back to get him? Oh, yeah. He got let go in all the layoffs, right. didn't he? Yeah. Bring Van Gundy back. He's great. Like Adrian Come Griffin on. lasted longer than Nate Bjorkren or... <laughs> John Beeline or Frank Reich. I'm trying to think of these other coaches that barely lasted at all in their respective spots. Uh, We'll talk about a ton of that. Again, it is a rainy Wednesday morning. A little foggy as well, so watch out for that, but nothing too crazy uh, here for us on our commutes in this morning. Thanks for spending this Wednesday morning with us. It is the Wake Up Call. KB and Andy on 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. All right, let's get to last night in Cambridge. Five of six losers are the Pacers now. 114-109 to the Denver Nuggets. One of the big storylines, Rick Carlisle being tossed in the third quarter. Now in that third quarter, just 19 points scored by the Pacers. Here's Carlisle postgame on the loss and getting tossed. I want to give the assistant coaches a, a, a lot of credit. I mean, the third quarter was not going well. I got run out of there. It got to 10, but they, they kept the group together. You know, getting Shepard in the game was a great move because it brought an energy that we needed. I got run out because I didn't, I didn't like what I was seeing out there at all, not one bit, and I'll leave it at that. Uh, that's pretty obvious. But they made, they made more plays and more shots, and we had some, we had some great looks, you know, that that didn't go down tonight. But there are some things that we have to do much better headed into the game on Thursday. Boy, they missed some golden looks there in the fourth quarter. Siakam had several kind of kickouts to Turner, Neesmith. Those two really stand out to me as guys that just missed. Again, great, great looks there. In the fourth quarter, it's a three-game losing streak. It's five of six. They have lost 114-109 to the Nuggets. You are not in moral victory territory with how the Eastern Conference standings look right now. And bad news continues in that it's Joel Embiid and the Sixers tomorrow night, and it is the Suns on Friday. That's a back-to-back for the Pacers, and Phoenix is not on a back-to-back. So a very difficult homestand without Tyrese Halliburton. Continuing this week for the Pacers. Just one quick stat. Our guy Eddie Garrison sent this to us. The five threes, that ties a season low for the Pacers. I would have thought that would have been the low. Yeah, five of 21. I heard Daenerys say last night they attempted just six in the entire first half. So very low number without Tyrese Halliburton. All right, last night in West Lafayette, Purdue handling business like you would expect them to. It was surgical by the Boilers. 99 
67. They did not have a turnover until the I think it was the 11:57 mark of the second half. Just absolutely clinical in protecting the basketball. We've said it often, Andy. They just got to get out of their own way. As long as you know they keep that turnover number somewhat low. Certainly last night a <laughs> they a, did that a historical low. Uh, they're going to handle business, and they did that. Lance Jones 27, Braden Smith 11, 10 and seven. Uh, when Zach Eady has what 16 and 10, and you win by 32. Uh, it is a very good night. It was a very good night for the Butler Bulldogs as well. 90-66 over Georgetown. Uh, they do what they needed to do, take care of business against an awful Big East team away from home. And that sets up quad one opportunities galore for Butler. They will be tough games, certainly, but they have got some terrific chances here in the next month to continue to try and build a resume. They need to pluck several of them to try and build that resume, but Thad Mata's bunch has got that opportunity here upcoming as Butler beats Georgetown 90-6. to I don't know if you saw it last night. You see Wisconsin hit a couple free throws with like four seconds to go. That's how they won. They well, won by it, two last night. Otherwise, it would be first place. Minnesota did a foul game. Yeah. Minnesota clanked the free throw and almost uh, <laughs> sent that game in overtime. Yeah, Purdue and Wisconsin, I believe it's a week from Sunday. If you want to start to look ahead to... A big one in terms of the top of the Big Ten standings that is upcoming here in a bit. That's the dead Sunday, right? Where nothing's going on. Is that Pro is, Bowl is that, Sunday? That's, that's the Pro Bowl festivities mm-hmm. Sunday where there's nothing going on. Give us all the college basketball. We need something. We're trained Sunday afternoon to be watching sports uh, on TV. A couple different notes just to throw out there. Uh, the Baseball Hall of Fame class, I don't know if you guys saw this, of 2024, Joe Maurer, Todd Helton, Adrian Beltre, Jim Leland making it there. Again, I, I don't know how much Some you guys football players in Mauer and Helton, right? <laughs> you like that? Uh, so again, it, anytime you bring up names, even though those guys obviously have such lofty numbers and are deserving and everything else, you get the who's not in the Hall of Fame. We're putting Joe Mauer in instead of fill in the blank. So that's always out there. Uh, on three reporting, Jim Harbaugh and the Chargers getting close to striking a deal here. And then you guys, this guy, Tom Telesco taking over as general manager with the Raiders. I only bring that up because Ed Dodds, uh, what Chris Ballard's right hand man? It's thought that Dodds potentially would be going there uh, to the Raiders with Tom Telesco. It seems like the tenth offseason in a row Ed Dodds has interviewed yeah. a bunch of places, yeah. and then so, looks like he'll we'll be see. back. And Indy Adrian Griffin again fired yesterday as Bucks head coach. That is forty three game. It, it is kind of amazing when you look at they're thirty and thirteen. They've won five of six. It's not like they've been on this recent like slide. Uh, they're second in the East, and he gets fired. The third shortest stint in the history of the NBA. I mean, that has to be Giannis and Dame just don't care for him, right? I, I, that I has mean, to it, be it. It's, it's but I'm simple. Like, what, yeah. what, why? Like, what are they saying that like 30 and 13, second in the East, is not indicating? <laughs> I mean, having read having read up on this, the. The, the the prevalent thought is a little bit of what Mark is saying. They don't know how to use Dame. Their 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 well, defense that, isn't I, hasn't I what been what it when is. You trade Drew Holiday, you know, well, a couple of weeks I, I, before the season I understand. I understand. Drew Holiday is a complete player, and Damian Lillard wants to pull up from half court and shoot a bunch of threes. It's what he wants to do. They're not. They're not. They're not similar in the way they play. Those Did two guys. Adrian Griffin get a game ball on the way out. Well, I, I don't know, but Do, I mean, the story here is: I mean, Doc Rivers was brought in as as to help it, to help Adrian Griffin, and now he's going to get the job. I mean, Doc Rivers did he stab Griffin around the back? I told my brother, I'm like, isn't <laughs> Doc he? Rivers kind of past his prime now? Like, he got oh you know, Lord heavens, Clippers, and then the Sixers. I, I feel like it, 
I like Doc Rivers, but I feel like that that ship has kind of sailed as far hey, as add him to the list of ESPNers that just you know walk into the broadcast booth and slide back into that head coaching chair. It sounds Nate, pretty Nate good for him. Nate could you know slide over there. It sounds like that's going to be happening <laughs> here. Uh, one other note on a day like today, you think about what the month of May could look like, and hopefully the weather looks nothing like it is outside. Marco Andretti, uh, that car confirmed for the. Uh, 2024 Indianapolis 500. Now 29 uh, drivers confirmed. It does sound like, based off the unconfirmed drivers, but teams that have said that they will be in the 500, uh, we're going to have bumping again for this year's 500. So Marco, his 19th Indy 500, which is just an amazing stat when you think 36 years old for him. So that Can you taste the Little Kings? Was yesterday. You can taste the Little <laughs> Kings, although I need to behave in, in, in my drinking. I got reprimanded a bit last year for my I remember that. carb day. Uh, antics there. <laughs> Who reprimanded you? Is that uh, now something we should bring up on the air? Yeah, let's yeah, off off air, off yeah. air discussion. Okay. Let's All go right. off air for that one. <laughs> Dustin DePierac talking Tyrese Halliburton's injury news. I actually thought Dustin asked Rick, you know, a, a great question before the game yesterday on, you know, what was did something flare up? Because I went back, Andy, and there was a play in the Portland game where it looks like to me Halliburton suffered some sort of injury or I don't know aggravation or something happened. He on was that hobbled play right uh, early in the fourth quarter. So we'll touch on that on the other side. And again, what is it about Purdue? Should we feel better at this point in the season than we did last year about the Boilermakers? I think so. We'll explain that on the other side as well. It is the wake up call with KB and Andy on 93.5107.5 The Fan. All right. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta. Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. I think I know why Mark played this. We'll get to it here uh, in just a second. Pacers losers last night. Purdue winners. We'll dive into Purdue here uh, in short order. Reminder coming up in about 50 minutes, 830 or so. Dustin DePirac will join us. We'll talk some Pacers with him. He's from the Indy Star. Now, they talked about that song, Mark, in the broadcast last night on the Pacers game. Did you hear that or did you organically just play it? I had heard it. Okay, uh, no, is Noah Eagle who was on the call, right? Mm-hmm. With yep. uh, with Hummel last I, night. I think that's a great body. listen, by the way. <laughs> the floor. Oh, I like it. No, I think Noah it's Eagle fantastic. and Robbie Hummel. I think is a great duo. No, I think it's great. Uh, I mean, uh, I, I like Noah Eagle uh, a good amount. Listening to him for the you know kind of the first time more this year, and Robbie Hummel obviously uh, is fantastic. I mentioned Purdue hitting the floor last night. You're you're up 15, and your star players are making plays, and that's why uh, they're in my estimation. I don't care what the polls say with UConn, the top team in the country. You've been teasing something for a day or two around here, and I don't even know what it is, okay? So I have no idea which way you're going to go here. There's a reason that Kevin Bowen believes in Purdue this year more than last year. What's yeah, that reason? There's been moments throughout the season, Andy, that I've been watching Purdue, and I'm thinking, man, this guy gives them just a different gear on both ends of the floor. Um, then I'm sitting there inside of Assembly Hall, and you're always just curious, I feel like, in Purdue, Indiana, of, okay, how are guys going to react to these environments, particularly the road teams in those matchups? 
Uh, you know, that's why I was just so beyond impressed by what Jalen Huchifino did last year in Mackey. Like, to have that night inside of Mackey. And sure enough, I'm sitting there watching last Tuesday. And, you know, if we remember, I mean, that was kind of a back-and-forth game for the first, like, seven minutes, you know. And then all of a sudden, it really got away from Indiana very quickly. But Lance Jones handles that environment beautifully, and it's no fear from him. Uh, obviously, last night speaks for itself from him. But I think that is why I sit here, Andy, and in January 2024, I think me personally, and I think Purdue fans should feel more optimistic about what they have for the month of March than they did last year. Because as much as this grouping is so similar from last year, and you hope that Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer won't hit a freshman wall and won't kind of run out of gas, Lance Jones was the only real new acquisition, if you will, Purdue has had. And if you look back to last season, Andy, late in the year, the guys that were getting minutes for Purdue outside of kind of their big core, you played Ethan Morton a lot. You played Brandon Newman a good amount. You were having to play David Jenkins a decent amount. And while those guys at times can certainly help you out, I mean, hell, Morton still gives you a couple defensive minutes here or there. Uh, None of them. Are, 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 I think, frankly, that close to what Lance Jones gives oh, you they're not. on no. both ends. No, they're Newman not. would have one out every four games. It'd be like, man, he should play more. Right. And then you'd be like, well, that's why he doesn't play more. Morton lost a lot of minutes. I mean, that was a conversation was we a talked about. Sure. on the offensive end of the floor too often. Jenkins probably ended the year the best out of all of them. But again, in Lance Jones, whether it is his energy, whether it's him as a ball handler, uh, I thought it was great that Mackey gave him a standing ovation late in the first half last night for his energy on the defensive end of the floor. He's fearless. I'm sure there are times where Matt Painter thinks, yeah, I, I know about that shot. But I think that is but such you need a little bit of that sometimes. jolt for yeah. Purdue. And the ball handle a- aspect I think is critical because you know Purdue is not this plotting team. They do not just want to get in the half court and throw it into e- – e- it's not Jokic-type pace with Purdue. If they have opportunities to run – they want to run. And with Lance Jones, it's not just, hey, you have to find Braden Smith. He's the only guy that can lead the fast break. Lance Jones gives that for you. So um, they found a guy in the portal that can give it to you on both ends of the floor. He guards, he scores, and he can handle it a bit. And last year, at times, it was like, oh, boy, really? Morton's getting that many minutes? Oh, boy, Newman? Is it going to be good Newman or bad Newman? Uh, and then Jenkins again. Now you have a guy that I think – uh, is much more consistent, again, both ends of the floor for you, and I think is a critical piece to feeling better about Purdue when it comes to the month of March. Zach Eady is still Shaq. There's no questioning that. He's still Shaq. He's proven that in the Big Ten when you know teams should scout him more and teams should be used to him more. But they needed a, a little bit of juice and a little bit of energy, and Lance Jones has unquestionably given, given him that. What's their downside if I just flip that around, because last year that was the that was one of the downsides, and you mentioned the guards kind of hitting the wall, not kind of hitting the wall, hitting the freshman wall, having young young guards going into the NCAA tournament. What's the thing we need to watch for Purdue? I think that's what that's probably what I'm struggling with. I mean, their defense is top twelve; they're number twelve right now in Ken Palm adjusted efficiency. Their offense is number one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're the most efficient offense right now per Kempom uh, in college basketball. Uh, and Jones is fantastic. I, I think you need a little bit. Occasionally, he does a little bit of YOLO. But, I, I mean, I think you need that. I, I really do. And then, you know, I was going to add just one thing to it. Watching a lot of college basketball, 
every year is different. We had Bob Kravitz on. When was it? A month ago, three weeks ago, whenever it was. We had Bob Kravitz on, and he was very strong in, and maybe even Greg Doyle mentioned this as well with us, That, but I know Bob did, that he just flat out said, hey, this is the year that Purdue's going to win the national championship. Okay, and that's fine. You can have that prediction when you're you know, just starting Big Ten play, conference play, and everything like that. And you look at them right now, Purdue, you know, having watched a lot of college basketball this year, I I, I don't I, I just think I think once you get to like four, five, and six, I, I don't think I think Purdue's better than all those teams. I'll give you a great example. You kind of had fun with it, but Kentucky basketball, they added we gotta get to the big Z controversy also at some point. Uh, because I love what Purdue did. Purdue trolled Kentucky basketball and I love every bit of it. We'll dive into that. So Drunus Ogaskis? Uh, <laughs> I love it. Well, with Zach Eady, is he the big Z or is the the new player there on Kentucky? But Kentucky went last night and they lost. They got blown out. Kentucky went on the road and got absolutely hosed last night at South Carolina. And the reason I bring it up is I just don't see that's something that that Purdue would do. I mean, they lost a close game to Northwestern. I know they lost to Nebraska. That that I'll give them one game. But Kentucky can't win on the road, and I only bring them up. And I've seen a nice amount. Uh, I know a couple people on the staff there at North Carolina. I actually thought you could have put North Carolina at number one a couple weeks ago, and you would have been fine. But Purdue this year, um, boy, I, I just I don't see the strength in college basketball quite as much. Yeah, how many teams do you put in tier one? I, I, I think in tier one, boy, I think I would have. I think I would have probably UConn. Uh, and not probably uh, UConn, Purdue, and then that third team. I don't know who that it's third like team is. And Kansas have come back down to earth. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't love what I've seen from Kansas, Kentucky. I've seen. You know, I, I've seen Tennessee. Is it I know it was a couple I, weeks I ago. To me, it would be probably be Carolina, and you would put those three teams in there. And I, and I just think, boy, we talk about it lining up for Purdue. I know you can say that. I feel like this year it lines up a little bit more for Purdue perhaps even than last year. That's how I feel. I could be caught up in the moment, the fact that they're winning a bunch of games and Zach Easy Shaq in the last four games, they've looked as good as they can look. And again, my thought isn't as much having to do with what maybe the rest of college basketball looks like. I just think Lance Jones is such an important piece that Purdue was lacking last season. You were kind of a hope and a prayer when you put Morton out there for 25 minutes or Newman or Jenkins. Now... Again, there's going to be a few YOLO moments to use the phrase that you just used with Lance Jones. But I think at times when you get into ruts or you need a little jolt, that's very important for you to have as well. And he can give that to you. I guess to answer your question, you know, what could hinder them? You know, we saw big turnover numbers against Northwestern and Nebraska. So it's very important that obviously um, that is there. Uh, obviously, those are coupled with great shooting nights by Northwestern and Nebraska. You know, can teams do that? on a neutral site in the NCAA tournament. It's one thing to do it at home. It's another thing to do it in these neutral sites. And really, in the loss to St. Peter's or the loss to Fairleigh Dickinson, again, Purdue got games played in the 50s and 60s. They can't have that come tournament time. And I will say, and this maybe dates back to all the way back to um, who they play. Was it Arkansas in that exhibition game? For some reason, I was debating my head if it was Alabama or Arkansas. Remember they had that exhibition? I, exhi- I thought it was Arkansas. Yeah. I think it's right. They had that exhibition game that was, you know, raising money for the tornadoes, I believe it was, in Arkansas. And uh, 
But Edie either was he in foul trouble? I think he was in foul trouble in that game because they played a real like forty minute game, and Arkansas had some big guards that I think you know again caused some issues for Purdue. If it's one thing, they're very small in the backcourt. Uh, you know, kind of goes back to the Indiana game of you know, why I thought McKenzie and Baco could be a really tough matchup for Purdue. Uh, because lineup-wise, there's a big height differential. So again, if you're going to ask me questions on what could, you know, hinder them, what could hurt them, I'd go there. But man, I just think I was skeptical. You know, when it was just Lance Jones out of the portal, and you're like, okay, it's Lance Jones and Miles Colvin. That's it. You know, that it doesn't really seem like a lot of juice. It's not like Lance Jones was this Missouri Valley Player right. of the Year, averaging you know 23 a game, and he was transferring up a level. He was not that. But man. When you talk about puzzle pieces together and finding ingredients that you don't necessarily have in the kitchen, Matt Painter looks like he has found an absolute gem for Purdue's makeup in Lance Jones on both ends of the floor. And that's why I feel better about Purdue here in late January yeah, a lot of, a lot than of, I did last A year. lot of times when you have a loss, uh, when your season ends in a crashing manner and Purdue fans felt like that was going to be the case, don't you feel like, hey, we need some change here? And Matt Penner is like, I'm only going to give you a little bit of change. We're not going to change everything because of what happened uh, simply in the NCAA tournament. I did, I got to be honest, you know, with, with some of these guys that transfer up in college basketball, I've been so conditioned to look at the high school classes. I mean, come on, you guys know uh, the, the McDonald's All-American list was, <laughs> was I named. I see Flory Badunga make Yeah, it. there you go. I mean, you look at the McDonald's. That used to be the thing, right? How many five stars do you have? How many four stars sure. do you have? And then so many of these guys that, and this is, this is the biggest problem. This is probably why like the offseason you almost need to talk to someone who's well adverse and I, and I totally mean this in mid-major basketball because I mean I didn't know how good Dalton Connect was he went to Tennessee I mean Indiana went after him that dude's like 30 a clip right Lance Jones you didn't see Lance Jones play basketball for four years you had no idea what Lance Jones's makeup is. It's easy to read ESPN.com. Well, last year, he shot 37% from three, 42%, whatever it was. He averaged 12, 13 a game, and you get a guy like that, and, you, and, and, and yeah, sometimes they don't work out. Sometimes they're not ready for the bright lights out of Purdue or Indiana or Kentucky, UNC, whatever it may be. Um, but I, I think that is valuable. We're going to have to remember that as a show, and I mean that, is who is – Maybe Rake Straw is that to, to some extent. Who has seen some of these guys at the mid-major level? Because this is the this is the way so many of of coaches want to build their roster. And I've been so conditioned to know what the five star, what the four star can do. You know, there's not a lot of mid-major basketball being watched at a high level. There's just not. You just don't know who these guys are. Uh, are you with me on Rick Carlisle got ejected because it was Pascal 100%, Siakam last night? Because it was Siakam, 100%. And they're playing, I mean, they're po- they playing poor, what, 19 points. Uh, but he that was, was so early in the third he, quarter. They were down three. They were down three when he got tossed. Yeah, I, I I don't know. Maybe I need to go back and watch like the previous handful possessions prior to that. But I didn't think it was at a point where like it had gotten so egregious, I was waiting for the Carlisle tech. You know, at times, you can sense that. Oh, you know, sure. A team gets on a run, you haven't got a whistle in a while, your fans are starting to yell. You can kind of sense the head coach technical. I, I hadn't had that feeling really leading no. into the Siakam play. And again, if you go back and watch it, Siakam does not really react like he should have gotten a foul call. He doesn't react on the offensive end of the floor as he gets stripped, and then on the other end of the floor... You know, once Denver hits a three, it's not like, or yeah, I think Denver hit a three. It's not like he looks at the official 
right after that as well. And then, boy, Carlisle, I mean, what, 2.3 seconds and he was ejected? <laughs> he got his money's worth, did he? What what he said. I, how does he watch the game? I was wondering, I mean, uh, you know what? how, I, what's I, a TV set up in the locker room to where he's breaking the game down? I jotted that down for a question to ask him next Tuesday. <laughs> That's how, a good question. How do you think that'll go over? I mean, he'll be almost a week separated from being tossed. If they win some Is games here. Is that a good here, thing or a bad thing? Well, have I, you seen I, the schedule upcoming? I think it's a good thing, but I have seen the schedule. And I think both, I think the overall prevalent thought from you and I today has been while we understand the circumstances, no Tyrese Halliburton, the injuries they've went through, uh, getting a guy like Pascal Siakam, we understand the January schedule was always going to be difficult. Both of us, I, I won't speak for you, we talked about this 35 minutes ago, um, both of us feel like that we're tired of having to do the qualifier of Halliburton's out or this guy's out. I mean, the reality is they've lost five out of six. Two more difficult games here. Memphis is on Sunday, and while they're not very good, who knows if you're going to have Halliburton that that you know, right now we said they needed to start winning. I, I guess this is probably the second time this season I'm a little bit worried, KB. I, I'm just a little bit worried. I mean, they got to get Halliburton back. they got to start winning some games. And I, I know it was a valiant effort last night, but it's still a loss, and it's five out of six, and right now you're a seven seed. Yeah, I didn't think this season was about valiant efforts, and certainly not after the Siakam trade. And when you squander the opportunities like you did in November to have easier games, to have games at home, when you get into now the second half of the season with where the Pacers are and you look at the Eastern Conference standings, you just can't sit here and act like those are extremely beneficial. I fully understand times are a bit difficult right now for the Pacers. They don't have their lead guy. They're in kind of scramble mode with some of their lineups. Hell, last night they're turning into Ben Shepard to play the entire fourth quarter. I mean, ben Shepard had how many you know fourth quarter minutes has Ben Shepard played this season when the game's been within 10 points? I would guess close to zero before last well, he night. Well, he didn't play until the fourth quarter, right? So, Did he play some in the third? Yeah. And, he didn't and play then, in the first half. I know that. You know, part of this maybe is Lloyd Pierce, who, again, I thought turning to Shepard was a smart move, but you know, I thought you could have gotten Buddy maybe back in the game. I know he was quiet, but, man, guys were just clanking threes there in the fourth quarter. I thought Siakam made several what you would quote-unquote say good basketball plays, the right decisions to throw it to guys wide open, and Turner and Neesmith especially – could not throw it in the ocean there in the fourth quarter. So the Pacers lose 114-109. We'll continue to touch on that. Went back to that Portland game on Friday night, the game that Tyrese Halliburton did play. I think I found the play where something happened. I know that the Pacers and Rick Carlisle don't want to call it a re-injury. To me, clearly something happened on this play. So we'll explain a little bit more on that and get into some football talk as well. Dustin DePierrot going to join us coming up. At 8.30. For anybody uh, just getting into their cars or about to head out for the morning, a little foggy, very rainy, uh, but outside of that, not too bad here from a commute standpoint here on this Wednesday morning. Thanks for spending it with us. It is the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. All right. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, Ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Hour number two, Dustin DePirac going to join us. Coming up in about 30 minutes, we'll talk about the Pacers. Of course, losers last night, 114-109 there in Gamebridge. They're back at it tomorrow night, uh, hosting Joel Embiid, 
Tyrese Maxey and the uh, the Philadelphia 76ers. So uh, we'll be previewing that game and talking a lot about that. Uh, two things. I, we've kind of teased this. I want to hit on both of them. And I'm interested, Kevin, in what your thoughts are with the fumble. If you're out of the end zone and you fumble into the end zone and out the back of the end zone. We saw that in what? The Bills-Chiefs game. Uh, we saw that with Miko Hardman. So I want to get to that. Uh, but just two quick NFL things. That will be one of them. And then the other one, did you happen to see, and I don't buy too much into this stuff. Uh, I want to be clear. I don't buy too much into this stuff, but the numbers are the numbers. And for the game coming up on Sunday between the Ravens and the Chiefs, have you seen uh, Have you seen who the, the referee is, who the main referee is there? No, it, I have a life. <laughs> fair enough. I don't have one, so I did see this. This came across my desk, as they would say. It's a gentleman by the name, and they did this on Tuesday, the NFL assigned Sean Smith, who is going to be the main referee for the Chiefs and Ravens. Now, the only reason I bring that up. I feel like he did a few Colts games this year. Uh, yeah, he. I would imagine he probably did, and this is something that we should go back and find the games, uh, because you know there's a there's always a conspiracy that the NFL loves what the Chiefs and Pat Mahomes and Kelsey and Taylor Swift and the you know I don't want to say fiasco, but the but the fun that uh, follows Kansas City, I guess. And, and by the way, a bunch of people dislike them now, like you. You're tired of them, like I am, and so you know those people are valuable as well. Sean Smith being the main ref, home teams, and again, this is for you Ravens fans, home teams have won 40.8% of the games the last three years. Under Sean Smith, home teams are 17-29-3 against the spread the last three years. That's 37%. In total this season, Sean Smith's crew He's called 924 yards in penalties on home teams, just 709 yards in penalty yards uh, against road teams. Offensive holding penalties declined 65% uh, in the division. I'm just throwing that in there as well. So if you look at Sean Smith, uh, he is the lowest win rate for any NFL referee for a home team. That's what Lamar Jackson and the uh, (laughs) Baltimore Ravens are up against. Now, we should note, and not to poo-poo your conspiracy theory here, but correct me if I'm wrong, aren't officiating crews in the playoffs uh, combinations of officiating crews? So the Sean Smith officiating crew in the regular season is not the Sean Smith crew we will see on Sunday afternoon, it will be one of what? Are there eight officials? I'm trying to think of the number. Uh, I believe I believe there are, but yeah, it's we a have mix a and match crew, a hodgepodge of guys that yes. have earned the right yes, to be officials have. here in the postseason. So, well, we know your take on Monday morning <laughs> if Patrick Mahomes heads to the Super Bowl. Oh man, that might. Hey, those are just the numbers. The numbers don't lie. All right, but now you can fumble, twist the numbers. Fumble if you want. the ball out of the end yes, zone. Yes, tell okay? me what you think. I'm kind of hoping we disagree on this. So right now, obviously, the opposing team gets the ball then at the 20-yard line. It becomes a touchback if you reach for the goal line and you fumble it through the end zone. Uh, the, my thought is this. I think the defense recovering a fumble, I think it's an art. I mean, how many times do you see defenders try to scoop and score and it end miserably? How many times do you see guys just boot it right out of bounds <laughs> in trying to scoop it up? So I think them getting the ball and and getting it at the 20, I think that's way too much of a reward 
of the defense. I get that you're punishing the okay. offense, but I think it's way too much of an award, a reward, excuse me, for the other team. I think the opposing team, aka the defense in this uh, hypothetical, they should get it at the spot of the fumble. Now, in all likelihood, that spot would be what? Like the one or the two well, yard the, line? Yeah, the one, two, three yard line, something. But right. again, I think it is a little bit of a, it's got like a cornhole feel to it. You know, if you go over in cornhole, you know, if you get to like 22 or 23, if you're playing right. 21, what happens? You go back to 13. Yeah. Like, to me, I kind of look at look at it and think to myself, okay, should the offense keep the ball, but they go back to the 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 20-yard line? Should they keep it and get a 10-yard penalty? I, you know, I've seen a lot of these ideas thrown out there. I don't like those ideas. I think that fumbling it in a very precious spot of the field should have a punishment, but I don't think the defense all of a sudden gets out of the shadow of their own end zone and starts to drive at the 20. I'm like, wait wait a minute. Why should they gain 20 yards for not even recovering the fumble? They forced it. That is a great job. Right, well, you get the ball. Yes, Your reward is you get, you get a ball. first down and 10. I do not right. think you should get it all okay. the way at the 20. Give it to them at the one or the two. Uh, by the way, speaking of cornhole, you guys will like this. So I was at, uh, there's a bar I used to frequent, and I'll get to my opinion because I, I don't totally, I disagree with one little thing, but uh, most I think we agree. Uh, and, and you know, you play cornhole, you need to have a few uh, beverages, right? You have to. We were, me and a couple buddies were playing these guys, and they made every single one, and they're like, oh, yeah, we, we kind of do this. Uh, you know, they kind of said professionally, oh, we play a lot. And you know on Sundays when the NFL's over, you know the NFL's done now, uh, you know on Sundays when ESPN doesn't have college basketball and you turn on, especially during the summer, you turn on and they'll have like the cornhole championships or they'll have bowling or something like that. Darts, yeah. Darts. I look up one Sunday, it's in July, and the guys that we played, they're in Vegas. One of the oh my gosh. At, one, at one of the tournaments, ringers? yeah, they're ringers, and they're making every one. I'm like, this isn't fun. The whole point is, to, you know, to be popping a couple drinks here well, and have a little bit of fun. You guys are making every single one of these. I will you guys share one, the warm up act. Yeah. I will share one Cornell story <laughs> similar to that. In college, spent the night in the Coke lot Saturday night before the Indianapolis 500. Ooh. So you know, insert debauchery here. So you're up all night then. Wake up early Sunday. I say uh, wake okay. up. Hell, there was no sleep involved. Wake up Sunday morning. A good buddy of mine who actually played college baseball. Uh, him and I, you know, we obviously had a couple of drinks in the sure. wee hours of Sunday morning. We head into the infield for the start of the Indianapolis 500. Uh, it's early in the race. We're walking <laughs> around the infield. We see a very nice couple with cornhole boards. Okay. We think, hey, yeah, this will be the perfect time to get a little cornhole entertainment. Like in a man and a woman, or a, yes, we mean a couple yes. like a couple young no, ladies. No, no, no. Couple okay. man, man okay. and woman here. Very nice. Very friendly. Sure. Would you guys like to play? Sure. Come on over. Could not agree more. I'm thinking we're gonna absolutely wax these two. <laughs> this is gonna be a bloodbath. <laughs> They beat us 21 to 0. <laughs> well, that's how this was. Yeah, 21 like, to 0. One game, you guys walk off, like, look at those High fiving each other, <laughs> hugging each other, kissing each other after kissing, the game. Uh, sure. We'll One kiss. of the more humbling moments of my life. It was That's the liquid fantastic. courage that did you guys in. Uh, you guys the liquid we're courage. the cocks of the walk. We can take anything here. <laughs> Literally, we thought we could win the Indy 500 at that point, and quite humble. We should have gone back to the Coke lot after. Oh, that. man, that's fantastic. All right, so I hadn't thought of it. Like, I'm fine 
on this. Spot this, of the fumble. Is, one yeah. of the two-yard line, wherever the fumble occurs, I, defense gets the ball. So if we I'm go back to Sunday, that, that would have meant that Buffalo got the ball at yard, the one of the, the two-yard line. Yeah, the one-yard line, Miko Hardman. That's the reason this became, it was such a big play. Miko Hardman, he fumbles. It was a fumble. The fumble goes into the end zone and out what the side of the end zone. And so you guys know it's a turnover on downs. The conversation, I, I'm fine with the defense getting the ball at the one-yard line, the two-yard line, whatever it may be. I'm not passionate about that. What I am passionate about, and I don't understand this for the life of me, is why the last few days on all these national shows, the conversation has been that we need to change if the ball's fumbled into the end zone that that, that the defense doesn't get the ball. Does that make sense? That, that, that the offense should keep the ball. That is what's being discussed nationally is that that the Chiefs should get the ball back after Miko Hardman fumbled in and then through the end zone. Do you have an opinion on that? Because yeah, I, I, I don't like it. I could maybe listen to somebody have said the punishment was then you go back to the 20. Again, that's the cornhole analogy of you've gone over right. 21. You, you, need you to keep go back. it. Right. You keep your lead, or I guess, I, I don't know if you keep your lead, but you stay in the game, and now you go back to 13, though. Right. So, again, do you go back to the 20? Uh, I saw somebody mention yesterday there should be like a 10-yard penalty enforced uh, from the spot of the fumble. Again, I can listen to those. I don't like them, no. though. I, I'm um, fine with giving the ball to the defense. I, I think there should be a, this is precious territory. It's the holy grail of the end zone. If you're going to risk it, yep. then all of a sudden there's going to be consequences for it. So that's why I say the defense should get the ball. But again, I think the art of recovering a fumble. If you recovered in the end zone, okay, boom, that is a touchback, and now you get it. At the twenty, that's a big yeah. deal. I think but if we're you in the same way. Get on the ball in time, then I think it should be the one or the two yard line. And I know that puts you in a disadvantage situation, but you allow the opposing team to drive all the way down the field to get to the goal line. So it shouldn't be this massive reward. I think starting at the twenty is an absolute gift. I mean, Buffalo. That yeah. was a no, it was huge, a gift. Huge oh, point. It was, in it the was game. a game saver. Otherwise, yes. the game's over. Yeah. McCall Hardman had a costly mistake, but it's not like Buffalo outside of forcing the fumble. They didn't get on the fumble, so I, I don't think they should have the ultimate reward of that. Are you twenty one? You go back to fifteen, or are you a thirteen guy? Uh, I'm a yeah, I'm a, I'm a thirteen, right? I think I'm a thirteen. Yeah. Are there I people think, that do fifteen? I, I don't know. I, I thought you mentioned that. I thought it was always thirteen. Now, how about this right here? Uh, one of our favorites here, Harley D, tagged us in a tweet from somebody else. Oh, boy. Says this. Remember, the end zone fumble touchback rule makes perfect sense. The field is the battlefield. End zones are a team's <laughs> fort. An unaccompanied football rolling into a team's <laughs> fort belongs to them. Battlefield doesn't belong to anyone. So fumbles out of bounds there. <laughs> Stay with the offense. Oh, I love it. I just don't like the whining that the offense should keep the ball if they fumble it and it goes into the end zone. That's the thing. Like, no, the offense, we can we can say the 20-yard line's too much. Get the ball at the one-yard line if you're the defense. Uh, you've, you, you know, you, you've created that fumble or you got lucky and, you know, Miko Hardman fumbles into the end zone and out the side. Um, I like the battlefield. I like Doesn't that. the offense have enough advantages as it is already? Yeah. Do they need the any more? battlefield. It's a great point. Uh, um, speaking of whatever, uh, ruling decisions, refs, coaches, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, why didn't the Pacers foul at the end to extend the game? And, and I guess that's more of an NBA question. I don't... I get that you can advance it, but... And I don't know. I probably should have jotted this down. I swear, Andy, when... 
what was it, Siakam had the putback? Yeah, I'm looking. Uh, he had the putback with 27 seconds to go. Is it's it exactly a two, it's 27? A, it, it's 27.2. It's a two-point game okay. with 27.2, and they decided to ride it out. So 27.2, right. and the shot clock is 24.2, okay? So let's say Denver bleeds it all the way down, and they chuck something up with whatever, four Point zero on and the, the Pacers had a timeout because right. they so, called one later on. And that's in the why game. they yeah. did not foul to extend it in all sure. likelihood because they can ex- they can advance the ball with that timeout. There was a moment there where when Jokic was starting to like direct traffic, I'm thinking, Jokic is so freaking smart. He's going to toss this ball to the rafters. And if he just throws it up in the air at that point, it's a good point. There's going to be like uh, probably time's going to run out in all likelihood, or if not, it's going to be like point eight on the clock. I was stunned the Pacers did not try to foul and extend. You were down two there. Obviously, you're going to have to hope for Denver to miss one of their two free throws. But, boy, I just thought without Halliburton advancing the ball in that situation, I mean, the best look you're going to get with one second is what? Like a Siakam fadeaway? It's not like you were making any threes. Halliburton's not in the game for some you know crazy shot at the end. I, I That was an... As much as Jokic just stepping into the three and looking like a dad entering a high school gym for the first time in three months and shooting one shot and wearing sweatpants, looking at his son and walking back out, <laughs> as much as I thought that was a joke, I was like, foul and extend it. Were you, were you yelling well, at that? I, 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 I feel like the NBA doesn't do that nearly as much. I mean, that's a college basketball thing. Do, is, is it because the NBA makes free throws at such a higher clip? Last night, Denver was 15 to 17 from the line. Sure, I, yeah. But but you're watching all those precious seconds fade away. I mean, the question would be, if you were in, and this would be for Carlisle, who again, Rick Carlisle was not on the sideline, so I would be interested, A, would he, would he do that? And B, if this were a game five or a game seven, or just any, if this were a playoff game, if this were a play-in game, which is right now what the Pacers would be looking at, would you treat that differently? I guess that would be a question that I would have. I I am understanding of what you're saying. There Again, there's 27 seconds when Pascal Siakam makes that, that putback. Uh, it's 111-109. And it got, and then the three that goes in eventually uh, is when was six seconds to yeah, go. I mean, so twenty one seconds off the clock, even more. I oh, mean, they Jokic could have. Could sure. have He's uh, wide open. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, literally, he got to step in. Um, you know, whatever, one dribble step in. For, it's a good point that he ice. that he could have uh, got that all the way down, basically to three four seconds, and thrown the ball up in the air. Now we've seen the ball come down and teams catch it. Well, <laughs> shoot it, a full court shot, but that then, wouldn't have been you know, the case. Chaos ensues, or the ball gets tipped, and all of a sudden the game's over. There, I just thought that was again the third quarter, getting outscored thirty nine to nineteen. That was a point where it's like, okay, don't try to avoid game situations with Denver. Game situations with Denver not going to end well, and we saw what happened last night in the final few minutes. The third quarter was the big abomination for the Pacers. Thirty nine to nineteen, they were outscored. In that quarter, uh, how would you assess Pascal Siakam's home debut? I thought it was a complicated debut. Yeah, in uh, assessing it, but I, how would you? I, that describe complicated it? is right. I'm not beating him over the head. Listen, I mean, in the end, he had 16 and 10. I think that's only his third or fourth double double this season. So you get a double double. I'm not going to harp on you too much. I, I guess what I would say is, and I wrote this down. Let's see if I can find. It. I mean, they went from, um, oh goodness, they. I mean, he went. It looks like he was stuck on 12. He had a bucket at 543 of the second quarter. The Pacers at that point were up nine. 
He didn't make another basket until 6:44 of the fourth quarter. So you're, I mean, you're talking about he went half the game without making a basket. And I know there are reasons. Listen, he was he was doubled, he was tripled when he was on the floor. They were obviously paying attention to him. The flip side and why you say KB that it's that it's confusing. Uh, would be, you know, he had four assists last night. Should have had about the, seven or well, eight. Well, in that fourth quarter, yeah, he easily could have had uh, three or four more. So let's let's put it together. Let's say he doesn't go two quarters. Let's say he just makes one basket in those two quarters that I'm talking about. Suddenly now we're talking about a guy who had 18 and 10, and we're talking about a guy who had eight assists. And I think we'd probably, and the game would have been different. They could have won the game. Yeah, if you I knock thought, down some of those three. Yeah. So confusing is the way. It's uh, yeah, it, it, I complex, it's, I guess. Yeah, I thought it was a complicated night in, in kind of evaluating it for him. He was outstanding early. Uh, I think he had 10 of your first 18. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, Denver started to double a lot. And when he did get some chances to score, he did struggle. I, I think at one point he was one of seven. Uh, I think he ended three of 12 if you take out that early start. But more than anything... Um, again, I thought in the fourth quarter, you had some chances to really help him out. Guys hitting open shots. I, I found it a bit ironic. You know, For those that didn't watch the game and look at the box score, you'll look at last night and be like, man, Miles Turner had a really nice game. I mean, what was Turner the Pacers' leading scorer? He had to have Yeah, been. let me go back. I mean, he was up over 20 points. And Yeah, 20, 22 and 6 for Turner last night. I found it interesting that in the fourth quarter, though, Siakam, almost kind of a man of his word, Remember last week when some of those reports came out about how much Siakam wanted to play with Turner because Turner is a stretch five. So theoretically, uh, whatever, if Denver has Jokic guarding Turner, Jokic can't help a ton in the paint. Can't, you know, and of course, if you cheat in the paint, you have defensive three seconds, it could be called, but you can't kind of sag back. You've got to get out on Turner as a shooter. And lo and behold, last night in the fourth quarter, boy, Turner got some golden opportunities right. to do exactly kind of what Siakam envisioned of. You throw it to Siakam, Denver had trouble guarding him early in the game, so now they're having heavy attention to him, and now they're kind of late scrambling to get to Turner, and he just clanked a bunch. And again, Turner at times last night had a really, really good night, but you've got to hit some of those open looks. And I know hindsight is really twenty twenty, but I did think that you could have used another shooter out there. I thought there were some opportunities to sub in Buddy Heald, little offense, defense, and maybe get guys out there that aren't as streaky. Because as great of a defensive lineup as the Pacers had out there in, what was it, Shepard, Neesmith, Nemhard, Turner, and Siakam, like that is arguably their best mm-hmm. defensive oh, lineup. It is, yeah. yeah. You don't have a ton of great shooters in that lineup. So that's kind of the mix and match game that I think you can play. A little offense, defense there. Uh, and it would have been nice to get a guy like Heald, who didn't play very much at all last night, out there and kind of help Siakam and say, okay, this time if you kick it out, it's going to go to Buddy versus Neesmith or Turner. Yeah, the starters last night from three were two of 17. Now, Siakam didn't take one, but the, just the starters for the Pacers last night were uh, were two of 17. Scott Agnes tweeted, and I'm trying, to, I'm trying to go back. This was not at the end of the game, but it was getting close to the end of the game that at one point, uh, and obviously Carlisle at this point is not coaching. We're talking about the fourth quarter. They had only made... One substitution 
in about eight minutes in the fourth quarter. That was Nemhard coming in uh, for TJ McConnell. So you talk about not a lot of with changes. That lineup. I mean, that lineup helped get you back sure. into it. I mean, you were down what? Well, was you had it energy. 12, I think, at one well, point. The game was over, right. In the fourth quarter. But when you get into the late game moments and it's clear, hey, we're throwing the ball into Siakam, I think the thought with that is, okay, he's going to draw some attention. You want to make sure you've got enough shooting out on the floor. Are you guys cornhole players, by the way? No. I mean, no. I mean, I regularly, enjoy, I enjoy, no. I enjoy I mean, it, I but no. I play three times a year, right? Yeah, it's like a summer party you know, or whatever. If I'm out, you know, what? Yeah, yeah tailgate, you're the at a Notre Dame game. Blind Al, I'm yeah. throwing the cornhole back. I'm probably we, five times a year. I'm getting this from Nick. As a competitive cornhole player, which, I mean. God bless him. Unbelievable. That start right there. He plays in many tournaments year-round competitively. And oh, yeah. never go back to 13 or 15 if you go over 21. Is that, am I, do you guys play? That rule, I have always played. You go back to thirteen. I I, I have as well. Yeah. Well, what's the actual Maybe I'm rule playing then? At a higher level than Nick. Well, what's the rule then? If you go over, you just lose, or it doesn't no, matter. What's, go, the, what's oh, the what's the rule that he plays in his big time tournaments? I guess. I guess that would be my question. First one to twenty one or more <laughs> wins. I guess. Right. I guess. Yeah. I guess you can go yeah. over. I think That's there's fine. an art to landing on it. That 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 shrinks the board late in a game. Well, I guess the only other thing I is I want Elam ending. I, I guess the thing is you're drinking with some buddies. It's like okay, you go over 21 next, right? Like somebody else has the next game. You know, this is not you know the great invitational in Vegas I, or something I, like that. You know, Curtis. I feel like when we play uh, like with my family and Ashley's family, we just go to t- whoever gets to 21 or over goes because then it gets to yeah. the point where like we're drinking. Who's what's who's got the yeah. score? That's kind of who's what keeping I was, track. That's kind of what I was. Well, getting you're not at. creating a competitive environment. I, there, well, Marty. You know what? Curtis chimes <laughs> we're in not and goes, for "Cash. Anyone who agrees to play cornhole where you go back to 13 for going over 21 cannot be trusted." Man, I, may, maybe I'm wow. the outlier. People in this are going world. at you. Okay, I didn't know we'd have this many cornholers out there. What about the basketball game twenty one? What do you do? Do you play that you can go over twenty one? If not, you go back to thirteen. Are you just any of these games? Are you just automatically no, you go no, back to thirteen, no, Kevin no, Bowen? That. And okay. maybe, maybe I need to have you know one you know golden rule here to make sure that all games are created equal. But <laughs> I don't know. I think there's a bit of an art for the cornhole game and landing on twenty one specifically. Can I ask you something? One it l- helps you know the opponent uh, listen, can, can kind of you know watch you with if that. they make one or if they uh, knock a couple bags off the board. You Probably can play shows defense. you why I lost twenty one nothing to that couple in the uh, infield of the five. I was about to say I don't know if you're the one to be creating <laughs> rules. I'm sure that's what that guy's thinking. Well, one other thing on the Pacers, Dustin DePierac will join us, and, and we can ask him. You mentioned you want to see guys play, or you want to know a little bit of what you have before the trade why deadline. Why did Jarris Walker play last? Uh, well, okay, well that was going to be number one. I'm just, uh, I'm just surprised Jarris Walker. And again, Isaiah Jackson was back from the concussion. Nine minutes. Obi Toppin didn't do very much at all. Uh, he played 17 minutes. But so. he was the first wing, and uh, Jalen Smith was out. He aggravated his back, I guess, right around tip off last night. But I didn't understand Toppin being the first biggish wing to go in the game. Well, that wasn't the case against Phoenix. Right. So there's and, an inconsistency. And that's why I bring yeah, that up. Are you in- showcasing Toppin? Am I reading too much into I, this? I, I don't think you are. And last night wouldn't have been a great showcase. But there's that. And then there's the Ben Shepard. And we'll have to ask Carlisle. And I know he alluded to it. Uh, and we did ask him. But, you know, we'll see as the data continues to change. You know, Ben Shepard's not Buddy healed, But does Ben Shepard playing in the energy that he does, does it affect the way you feel? about uh, Buddy Heald. The last two games, Buddy Heald made 11 threes, and last night he was a no-show. And, and, and the answer is, I don't know. 
I don't know what Ben Shepard and his play and his energy does. Shepard has earned minutes, but then I also can sit here and be like, well, if he earns minutes, that means Benedict Matherin is not playing as much. And I thought Matherin was much better early. Last night, third quarter wasn't great. Much better early. And then, you know, again, Buddy, from a spacing standpoint, um, I mean, what what was even from three last night? I I, I don't even remember. I'm shooting very many threes. Uh, Buddy was 0 for 2, 1 for 3. I mean, the, only th- the only shot he made was the dunk, right? Yeah, it was the only shot he made all yeah. night. That was quite the move. By the way, how about the outfit for Halliburton last night? Looked like a substitute teacher. Yeah, those those outfits are starting to get a little flyer. Have you noticed? My man's got that money. That money's feeling good. Double dare slime <laughs> jacket he wore on Sunday in Phoenix. You know, JMV hates that conversation. He goes, "I don't care. I don't care what what the guys wear That's when they more come of a to a game." Conversation. I'm like, "Well, I care about it. I like the swag that the guys have. I think Turner's got the biggest swag on the team." Uh, Dustin Napierak in a few before that. Morning checkdown time. Yeah, we can go through this pretty quick here. 114-109. That's your final last night in Gamebridge. Pacers now fall to 24 and 20 on the season. They've lost a five out of six. One thing we talked about, KB, Pascal Siakam, late game situations, hasn't been any practice basically with the team knowing what to do and what not to do. Here's Siakam post game. I'm still learning about the team and finding ways when to be aggressive, when to, you know, like, and, and, and to me, to be honest, I just read the game. Like, whatever whatever the game gives me, that, that's kind of like the, the type of player that I am anyways. Um, I thought uh, in that fourth, you know, like there's literally, like, we have wide open shots and, and I want those guys to take those shots a thousand times, you know, like at the end of the day. So um, I just got to continue to make the reads. Um, and, and again, for me, when, when I have two or three people on me, like I, I did most of my job, you know, like at the end of the day. Um, and, and we're going to punish those guys next time, you know, if, you know, the, the opportunity comes. But, um, yeah, like I just, I just think that it's just a matter of just reading the game. 16-10 and 10 for Siakam. Again, the four assists, and, and I'm with him. I think they will make teams pay uh, for that. I think those assist numbers will be higher uh, other games. Again, only five three-pointers made by the Pacers last night. Coming up next Thursday, 7 o'clock, you can hear it on the fan. Philly coming into town in Gamebridge. I'm responding to the cornholers okay. out there. I think, I, I think I'm in the wrong. Oh, I think you probably are. Yeah. Again, you Gary play. makes a great point. What he did goes, Gary say? Why play a game that encourages missing the board or possibly just throwing the bags down because you don't want to go over a score? Foot on throat, score as many points as you can. <laughs> I mean, I'm say Gary no there. more. <laughs> foot on throat. Can that be a cornhole shirt? Gary, do you have a shirt that says that? I, I, between Gary, the foot on the throat, and the whole the football is a battlefield thing. Quite the. I'm sticking with my fumble out of the end zone. Rule. Testosterone filled half about an that. hour. I, I guess I'm wrong on cornhole, but I'm sticking with my okay. ball to one or two yard line for the opposing team. You bring in the new cornhole rules, rules to the next Bowen house party. Hey, we're not going back to 13 or 15. We're playing however many we score. I thought I was creating more yeah. more competition. Looks like I'm not. Uh, great basketball last night by Purdue and Butler. Let's start in West Lafayette. It was surgical. It was clinical. It was almost 100 points. Matt Painter called off the dogs there on the final possession of the game. 99-67. Not oon turnover for Purdue in the first 28 minutes of the basketball game. Braden Smith, 11-10-7. Lance Jones, 27. Imagine saying to Juwan Howard at the start of the game, yeah, Zach Eady will be two of seven in the first half. <laughs> he won't score until the what the uh, the 12-minute mark, something like that. And you're or down, he didn't score for the first 12 minutes, I should say. And you're still down 24 oh. at halftime. That was it for Purdue. 
last night. Uh, they are now at the rack coming up this weekend. Butler 90-66 over the Hoyas. Georgetown stinks. Butler did what they needed to do. Pierre Brooks, their leading scorer, balanced effort uh, with five guys in double figures. Four and five in the Big East. And if you look at their next month, and we're going to have Thad Mata on the show Friday talk more about this. Eight games in the next month, seven of them currently qualify mm. as quad one wins. That would be a golden, plenty of golden opportunities for Butler upcoming as they try to pad that resume. One more swoosh. All right, one more swoosh. Uh, just quickly, a couple different things. Adrian Griffin f- uh, fired uh, by the Bucks yesterday. Obviously, we've talked a lot about that this morning. The Raiders hiring Tom Telesco as their general manager. That made official yesterday. And the 2024 Baseball Hall of Fame class announced yesterday as well. Adrian Beltre, Joe Maurer, Todd Helton, and Jim Leland. Jim Leland, of course, used to smoke heaters. <laughs> They're pretty much in the dugout. That's a man's man. Do they do uh, Hall of Fame makes... bus? Can we get a heater in the mouth for Jim <laughs> I think there should be a cigarette hanging out of Leland's They're mouth. Parliament's too. So he was <laughs> exactly. a real man. Yeah, you got to get a very specific <laughs> brand there. And, uh, shout out to Marco Ooh. Andretti, Indianapolis 500 number 19 for him. That was confirmed yesterday via the Indianapolis Star. The 36-year-old will be in a car for the 500. So that that uh, list of entries is building. It looks like we're gonna have some bump action again here in 2024. All right, on the other side, Dustin Napierak, he was out west with the Pacers. What did he observe from a Tyrese Halliburton injury standpoint? Was he surprised by it? Any trade talks as we're 15 days away from the deadline? We'll toss all that Dustin's way next. (laughs) I was wondering, who is this, by the way? Uh, Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. No idea. Somebody named Rhett and Link. I don't know. Rhett and Link. It's the cornhole song. Okay, there we go. I don't know how that conversation even got going, but uh, nonetheless, Kevin's reevaluating his entire life. What a here by Mark Dykton. Yeah, I wonder what uh, the. Let's see uh, who who's coming up after us. Uh, Eddie Eddie will be in that seat. Like what? What did he search on YouTube for a rejoin? What exactly? You don't want to go down the rabbit hole of my search history. Uh, Dustin Depierag joins us. Mark's search history not safe. Well, yeah, no one's is. Let's go ahead and list off our search history on the internet. Uh, Payless Liquors Hotline. Let's go on out to him. Dustin DePierre joins us from the Indy Star following everything Pacers. Uh, Dustin, thanks for joining us this morning, waking up with us here on the Wake Up Call. Good morning. How are you? Doing all right, man. Thanks for having me, guys. And I'm thoroughly entertained by that song, and I, I, I do want to know how Mark found that. But anyway. Okay. Well, well, can we ask Dustin? Yeah, go ahead and all ask right, Dustin. So Dustin, when you know game point rolls around in Cornhole, you get close to 21. What happens if you go over 21 in Cornhole? You go back. It, it all depends on like your particular board, how far you go back, but you go back. You go back to the number you were at, so if you were at 19, you would go back to 19, or do you go back to 13? I, I think that's right. I mean, I, I think – I'm trying to think. I feel like I've played all kinds of rules, and I'm terrible at Cornhole. So generally, somebody else gets to make the rules, and I just have to play by them. Mm. Um, so I'm rarely like you know you kind of have to like win the table sort of thing. Mm. And so it's like wh- whoever you're playing with generally makes the rules in that case. And I'm just I- I'm usually not that guy, but I feel like it's been different. It's sort of the same thing as like playing 21 in basketball. I'm picturing you back it's in like- your Bloomington days, we needed a <laughs> cornhole board in the vid. You know, instead of playing pool or the darts, just get a cornhole board in the vid. We, did, we, we didn't. I was good at pool with the vid, man. That was that was my heyday right there. 
Oh, you're a hustler. I like that. <laughs> Dustin Dupirak joining us here. From time to time. Oh, the Payless Liquors Hotline. I like that. A little hustle uh, in Bloomington. Well, I guess let's start with the injury. We can get to the game last night, kind of the losing streak, five of six. Obviously, Philly coming up on Thursday. That's going to be a difficult one. Phoenix on Friday won't be any easier. What is your read of the Tyrese Halliburton stuff? Uh, we saw the injury. We saw him come back against Portland. He played well. He played, what, like 35 minutes? But also there was some, dare I say, hobbling, some grimacing, some favoring, mm. if you will. So he doesn't play the next night in Phoenix. And then the Pacers announced Carlisle with us yesterday. It's not a re-aggravation. It's not a re-injury. But we're going to keep him out three, at least three more games. I guess, what is your read of the situation of what went, uh, of what is, you know, kind of went down here the last few days? Yeah, I mean, I kind of he he's been very um, adamant about saying it's not a re-injury, it's not a setback or anything like that. Uh, I kind of pressed him on that yesterday. It was interesting. He, uh, but like uh, initially when he talked about it, when the injury came out, basically the day after uh, the MRI, you know, we talked to him and he said, you know, you, you kind of want to nudge it along, but you don't want to. Uh, his this was his phrasing. He said, you don't want to piss it off, and I. I brought it up to him yesterday. I'm like, well, did you guys piss it off? And he says, I don't think I ever said that. And I went back and found the recording, and I promise you he did. Um, it might be a hamstring or it might be Mother Nature, depending on how you know how he was referencing within that sentence. So there might be some you know, lack of clarity there. But the point was that it, you know, basically like if when you're training this thing, something can go wrong. Hamstrings are tricky, uh, you know, from time to time. Basically, you, you can put too much on it. You can feel like things are going well, and maybe they don't. Um, so he didn't really want to address that uh, all that much. So it's possible, um, maybe to go so far, even likely on the logic here that got really excited about the results they were getting as far as how far this thing was coming along. You know, Tyrese Halliburton said, you know, like we, we, we tell everybody that we're reevaluating after two weeks. So we're, we, we reevaluate every day. I've been working on this thing every day. So we talk about it every day, how far along it's coming. And I feel really good about how far along it's coming. Uh, so, I mean, there's certainly a possibility that it wasn't as healed as they wanted it to be uh, and getting it out there kind of, you know, put that in sharp relief or there, there might've been something that just kind of went a little bit sideways. And I know, he was a little bit hobbled coming out of there. So there's all kinds of possibilities. The Rick's, Rick's sort of bottom line thing was, look, it just needs more time. At the end of the day, it needs more time to heal and whatever, you know, we're not looking back at this. It's just a case of the way it is now is it, is it, is it needs more time. It's not ready. And, you know, he's not ready to play on it. So it's going to be three more games. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. Number one, we'll see if, if there's, you know, once Tyrese talks again, if he has a more sort of, you know, open uh, appraisal explanation for that, which he might. Um, so, but I mean, I, I guess it, it, I, I think it's totally reasonable to presume that they, you know, got excited about uh, the progress they made and maybe it wasn't as far along as it needed to be. But again, I'm not a doctor, so I can't, you know, I can only say so much there. It's Dustin Apirak for the Indianapolis Star. He's with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Dustin, you were out on that West Coast trip. I know hindsight is really 2020, but you know, watching the Portland game on Friday night, it, it, I felt like there was a moment or two where Halliburton was grimacing, wincing, however yeah. you want to describe it. Went back and found a play early fourth quarter yesterday um, and tweeted out that that video. Did you get Indian in, any indication post-game Friday that there was something of concern or it just seemed like all of a sudden we got a Sunday pregame and this kind of popped up yeah. out of nowhere. Yeah. He wouldn't walk around that great. You know, he, he was a little bit, uh, just 
you know, a, a little bit stilted, but I, I didn't think that was necessarily guaranteeing he was going to be out. And I didn't even think that Sunday was necessarily a, um, what am I trying to say here? Like, the, 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 you know, the, the, that was going to lead to several more games like this. I mean, I, you know, and I, I was out in Tucson with them uh, for Benedict Matherin's Ring of Honor, uh, you know, ceremony as well. A bunch of those guys went out to that. And he, it didn't, he didn't strike me as, as hobbled, even as he was just coming out of the locker room, I thought just maybe, okay, it's just reacting a little bit tight or anything like that. So nothing, I mean, it stood out to me a little bit Friday night, less on Saturday. Um, but I, I mean, I, I guess I, there's not really a lot of reason to be surprised. Uh, you know, again, like you said, I mean, there, there were a couple of places in there where he's grimacing and stuff like that. And, and, you know, it just kind of stands to reason you come back from something like that. Um, and, you know, it, it doesn't take much for something to go sideways. So at least a little bit sideways to where it's, it's not playable. I mean, you're, you know, you're, you're just getting back to it. He got back to it earlier than presumed. Um, and so it's certainly possible that, again, it felt like he was making a whole lot of progress on it, but it wasn't ready to be, you know, tested or, or maybe on the flip side, it had to be tested. You know, they had to find out exactly how far along it was really and found out that it wasn't as far along as they hoped. So, um, you know, I don't know if it's a scenario where it's going to take a while for him to be healthy. You don't want to uh, wait all that time. Um, you know, you don't want to spend 20 games with this guy on the shelf uh, to wait until it's perfect. Um, so there's going to be a lot of, you know, I guess evaluation, reevaluation, deciding, okay, and, and tough decisions in terms of uh, when do you play the guy and when you not. Um, so I, I guess I, I was not blown away on Sunday that he wasn't ready. One more on the Halliburton front for me. Again, Dustin DePierak with us here, covers the Pacers for the Indianapolis Star. We appreciate him waking up with us after a late one last night. Um, I was hoping you could kind of educate us on what it means for Tyrese Halliburton to play 65 games. There is quite a significant contract contractual uh, benefit to him playing at least 65 games which would then mean he's eligible for the all nba team for our audience out there that is not familiar with this could you share yeah it's it's a max contract versus a super max contract basically the way that the cba works uh is you're only eligible for the super max which i think is what 35 percent of the cap is is what you're they're allowed to pay you uh if you and, and but you're only eligible for that if you're all, either all nba or i think it's defensive player of the year um you can't even be all defensive team you have to be player of the year um so i think in order and and so they they made it now that you have to play 65 games to be all nba um you know, that's obviously a new thing this year this sort of raft of uh policy changes that they've come out with to kind of avoid um you know load management and stuff like that they've you know obviously certainly all, all the way up to the commissioner's office they feel like this was kind of degrading the quality of play and angering a lot of people so it's basically saying hey we're going to create these incentives and make them monetary to make sure you play play a whole bunch of games um so i think so yeah basically if he doesn't get the 65 they can't be all nba and if he can't be all nba then he can't sort of um basically trigger that now if he doesn't make all nba anyway um if, if he were to play 75 games or something along those lines and he's still not voted as one of those 15 guys and, and, and that's not you know i think he's in in a, in a pretty good place to be all nba but it's not guaranteed um even if he does play all those games and he still doesn't get it but it's just that's he has to be on beta trigger um you know it becoming a super max versus just a max contract and that's you know just kind of the difference they've laid out in the cba uh so i think he can still you know, as I understand it, and 
you know, I, I imagine someone can tell me if I'm wrong here, but I don't think it, he, he could still unlock it next year or the year after or the year after. Right. He's got, I think, all five of these years that uh, if he's all NBA at any point, it becomes Supermax. You know, that then, then it unlocks all those incentives, um, you know, or just basically the overall incentive of going from Max to Supermax, um, and then he's fine. So if he doesn't make it this year, he makes it next year. I mean, obviously, he loses some money next year, um, but he gets paid the year after that. Um, so it's just he it, – it becomes a significantly – Cheaper contract over the life if he never makes All NBA, but it's still well over two hundred million. Yeah, we're you know, ta- do not cry, do not cry for Tyrese Allen. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not. Uh, I, I'm not I, asking I, the question <laughs> just to you know whatever. Uh, yeah, give yeah, him no, flowers and everything. Entirely fair. And it, it is an important question, and you know, you, you, you know, like certainly he's going to want to get all of his two hundred sixty million. But uh, the I guess I think it's two fifteen, if I'm not mistaken, or, or somewhere along those lines. Uh, is sort of what he gets if he never makes All NBA, and I promise if he makes uh, 215 million over five years, he's going to be okay. Yeah, I think I saw it's like a fifth. Yeah, depending on how much the cap goes up, about a 50 million dollar difference. Could and then, that, yeah, mm-hmm. um, I, I want to say he's got four games left to play with this season. So, just wanted to make sure that we clarified. Yeah, that it's going to be it's going to be difficult for him to do it this year. I, I just think that hamstring. Uh, it's just it's just going to be difficult this year. But he'll have other years. Dustin Depierak with us uh, follows the Pacers there for the star. Uh, Pascal Siakam, his, you know, three games under his belt here uh, in Indy. Saw his first game at GameBridge last night, 16-10, and 10, got the double-double, had a chance to get seven or eight assists, quite frankly, if the Pacers could have made some threes. I guess on the flip side, he went about two quarters without making a shot last night as well. So kind of a complex uh, first game there in Indianapolis. What do you make of him as a player, and what did you make of his debut last night in GameBridge? Yeah, just overall, I mean, I think – Overall, he's just changing the equation pretty dramatically. Um, I mean, I think he obviously hasn't had your kind of a spectacular knock your socks off individual performance yet. Um, but what's standing out to me, and, and what's really kind of standing out to me in terms of the conversations that you know, the, I say conversations, but press conferences uh, that I've been having with Rick Carlisle is just how much just all of the dominoes fall around him um, and, and how many things sort of change in terms of how they're able to operate uh, going forward. I mean, I think for one thing, he can just, he, he is the very real second option that they've been waiting for. And, you know, obviously the, the offense hasn't been operating at, at full capacity without Halliburton and, and certainly his role will look different and his, what he does will look different uh, when he has that guy. I mean, Halliburton changes everything in terms of the pace they play at, in terms of just the, the openness of the floor, the amount of, you know, just gravity he creates and all those kinds of things. But, you know, you can see the kind of shots he makes that you're like, all right, that's, the kind of shot a second a section second option makes. I mean, it's just these turnaround jumpers. He's just able to get to his mid range uh, shot and just sort of create his own. Like I mean, there's you know some guys you know you don't want them shooting unless they're going to catch a shoot three or get in the rim. You know, Siakam is a guy that can pull up from wherever you want and hit that shot. And if, if he's in a post up situation, he can turn around from ten feet, fifteen feet. If someone's pushing him out, he can still make that shot. I mean, you're seeing a lot of the skill. You're seeing a six eight guy that can handle the ball, bring it up the floor pass remarkably well. I mean, he could truly be, he can be your point guard at six foot eight. Um, and that allows you to do a whole lot of different things with lineups um, that really help them. And I think defensively, he's a good defender individually, but more than that, he just gives them answers that they haven't had all year. And I think that's a, that's a major piece. I mean, they haven't given up uh, 120 to anybody they've played in three games with him. And that doesn't sound all that great, but when you consider what the league looks like, it's a big deal. And 
you know, they're still leading the league in scoring. And so if they get Halliburton back and they're back to throwing out 125 a night um, and they're holding teams to 117, 118, they're going to win a bunch of games. Um, and so what, what he's able to do, first off, he defends the power forwards that they've, they've been just dominated by, just frankly, just straight overwhelmed by. And Jeremy Grant still got him, but I mean, I think you know, we held Aaron, Aaron Gordon to like nine points, but also he can switch on to guards, he can switch on to bigger guys, um, but you can use the other guys, you know, nobody's at, the, at a massive disadvantage. I, mean, I think Aaron Neesman is a really good defender, and if you were to just look at, okay, what are the guys he guarded score, uh, he doesn't look like one because he's been taking on guys like Giannis and giving up six inches every night, and you know, more than that in terms of weight and everything else. Uh, you know, LeBron and, and just guys like that have has dominated him, but he has, you know, he's st- stood in the way of moving trains a lot of nights, and, and he's got a ton of respect in the locker room for doing it. Um, but it's just, it, it's you know, matchups he can't win. You know, last night he takes on Jamal Murray, and Murray still gets 31, but he has to take 24 shots to do it. And Neesmith has really made him work for that. Um, and so it, Andrew Nemhart takes on Michael Porter as opposed to getting a tougher matchup. Just everything works better, and they were able to hold a bunch of guys down. Obviously, Jokic still got, you know, Jokic, you know, buckets because he's Nikola Jokic. But uh, they can do a lot better things defensively, and you're seeing the metrics go up. And so that's really been the thing is that they don't even have to be good defensively. They just have to be average or even bad, just not atrocious. And if they can still play the kind of offense that they have, they can win. And I think Siakam puts them in a position to be able to do that. I mean, I think, again, individually he's been pretty good, but more to the point, it's just all, everything falls into place around him pretty well. If, if you imagine Halliburton coming back, then you, then you think, okay, once this is rolling the way that it's supposed to, uh, then they just have a lot greater capacity on both offense and defense. Dustin DePierre joining us here on the Fanny Files of Pacers for the star. Another one for me, you know, you go back to that Phoenix game. Jairus Walker, I believe, was in before Obi Toppin. Walker doesn't play last night. Toppin gets the 17 minutes. Any thought there between those two guys? And then, you know, Ben Shepard comes in and you see the energy he created there in the fourth quarter. Uh, If he earns more minutes, where do those minutes come from, do you think? Yeah, that's a tough question. I mean, like, like really, that's what Ricardo was digging into right now. I mean, he is he is playing around with this. He is tinkering. That's the best way that you you, you could look at. You know, this the last you know three games. You know, the last two in particular that he is tinkering. He is finding out. Okay, what combinations work here? I mean, it's it's a lot of there's a lot of mad scientist stuff going on right now, and he's I think reconsidering all of the notions that he had with his lineup prior to adding Siakam and sort of giving everybody the opportunity to play their way in. Um, and, you know, Walker, for instance, I mean, he, was, he played Walker at small forward. Um, and so that's, I think, an important deal in and of itself that he feels like Walker can handle, pass, and shoot well enough to be a small forward and also defend that position, which means just keep smaller guys in front of him. Uh, the fact that that's something he sees him at for the future makes a difference. I mean, he really is looking at this and saying, yeah, he might not have played very much and he might have got to, you know, spend a lot of time down in G League, but you know, there was a purpose for that and, and he still views him as a long-term piece to this puzzle. Uh, you know, Shepard ultimately, you know, just play, just really playing hard down the stretch. I mean, they're really impressed with what he did. Uh, you know, you don't know at this point who it takes minutes away from. And obviously there's been uh, reporting that Obi Top and the Buddy Hilder on the trade block and certainly if one of one or both of those two, two guys go, certainly that opens up minutes for Walker uh, and um, and Shepard pretty immediately. But, you know, you don't know. And, I, and I'm not sure that they're trying to throw those guys away either. I mean, you know, Toppin is shooting something like 75% from two-point range. Buddy Hilder is still one of the top 25 all-time leading three-point shooters. Uh, those are still 
valuable pieces. So if they can't, they're not going to just let those guys walk for draft picks uh, with a group that they they intend to take to the playoffs. Um, so they're they're not going to give those guys up unless they're getting something back that is, can significantly help them right now. Um, so, but it's tough to say. But he's he's giving guys opportunities, giving guys opportunities the way they play play their way in, and also letting it be situational and saying, all right, if if you need sometimes maybe you need defense and energy to get back in you, maybe that's Ben Shepard's day. Um, you know, maybe there's stuff you need from Walker. You know, passing, shooting, and also you know, a, a, a little bit of a bigger body in there that you could throw in at three. Um, he's trying to figure all those things out. He thinks just Siakam opens up a lot of opportunities and uh, creates a lot of just sort of new equations that he's got to consider and look at before he's sure who he wants to play. And so it's a lot of tinkering going on. Um, not quite preseason level, but close, because I, I think he wants to make sure he's got his combinations right. Again, it's going to be a tough one coming up here Thursday and Friday. Philly and Phoenix, and two weeks from tomorrow, the NBA trade deadline. So Dustin Apirak, a busy man this time of year. Dustin, I hope the West Coast treated you well, and I appreciate the time this morning, man. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Dustin Apirak right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. We'll talk some Pacers, continue that conversation, and what if with Dan Campbell, could he have been the Colts head coach? Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. We'll share that here coming up. You know, those little teasers, those little uh, next day, hey, what's coming up? They're supposed to grab your attention. I think JMV's grabbed your attention there right before we came like, on. What did he just B- say? Both Bowen and Dykton looked at each other. Wait, what did JMV just say? So should we change the name to KB and Sweebo? <laughs> like, what is the Sweebo nickname? Well, I think Sweebo is both of us, Sweeney and Bowen. I guess. I think that's what he's I think that's what he's going for. Yeah, that'll confuse the hell out of listeners. Yeah, for a while, wake up call Sweebo. John wanted to pick the uh, name of the show. He was very adamant. About the morning wood, he was very passionate. Well, of course, he I was mean, passionate about the morning wood. By the way, did your? I think your earphone just fell off of your right ear. Oh, that, unfortunately, Look, that's not a yeah, first time thing. Yeah, he uh, he has headphone and microphone incidents the, quite regularly. Do you want me to help you? Do you want me to go get it? The headsets over here are <laughs> here. Let me help you. To say they got issues, go. it's just the padding. I can still hear out of the ear, but thank you for that effort there. Yeah, headsets are an issue here on this end. Uh, thank you to Dustin Depierre from the Star. Join us a lot of Pacers conversation right now. Boy, I'd say just a lot of questions regarding this team here over the next couple of weeks, and the schedule is doing them zero favors. Joel Embiid, I, have we seen an injury report yet? I assume he's going to play tomorrow night. <laughs> I would assume They didn't so. play last night. Yeah. They don't play tonight. I don't think you're going to get lucky on this one. They've I got to tell Jokic, you. right, on Saturday? Yeah. Embiid versus Jokic. I know yeah. that's one that obviously a lot of people want to keep an eye on. And then Phoenix tomorrow night for the Pacers. Uh, no back-to-back for the Suns, so it is quite. I mean, we knew January would be a gauntlet. It's why you know we harped on November being the time to take advantage of that. The Pacers did not do it, I think, enough, and now, uh, right now, they are paying for it, and they are stuck in the middle of the Eastern Conference right now, the seventh spot. If you look at where they are at in the East, I mean, even after the road tri- after the homestand, the road trip's not much easier. You've got the Celtics, the Knicks, the Kings again. It's just like. Yeah, I mean, it lightens up a little after the All-Star break, but no, this is going to be a notable schedule 
really right up until the All-Star break. Yeah, when Halliburton comes back, they're going to have to hit the ground running. And and I know that's something that is easy to say. It's difficult to do. Uh, you're trying to incorporate new guys, Siakam. And then, you know, we mentioned it coming up with uh, in a couple weeks here with the trade deadline. I mean, there is a chance you're subtracting somebody off this roster and you're adding somebody or somebody's to this roster as well. Then, then you mentioned, you know, Jarris Walker and Ben Shepard where minutes going to be for those guys? Are there going to be minutes, you know, consistent? Maybe, maybe not minutes. And just, you know, for us analyzing this team, it's what we said in the 7 o'clock hour, KB. It's like, you know, last night, close game, you know, making it fun down the stretch, valiant effort. All of those things are true. But the other side of this is you go make the move for Siakam. And again, I I know Halliburton's out, but you're kind of tired of the valiant effort thing. You need to win some games and they've lost now five out of six. And just finding wins here with Philly coming into town and beat is always great against you. I mean, heck, didn't uh, Maxi drop 50 earlier this season against you? So it gets no easier. Phoenix is playing some of the better basketball in the Western Conference. Uh, valiant efforts are fine, but, you know, that's not going to help you not be the seven or eight seed uh, in a couple months. It's just not. Now, valiant efforts went out the window for yeah. me in November. They you just know, did. You, I know. When you squander those opportunities, even life without Halliburton, you just can't get to the point where all of a sudden uh, we're clapping and stand up at the end of the game because the effort was great. And, and I don't think we I, I don't think we are. I, I, no, I think, and, and again, I think for I, the most part, fans are pissed off because. You know, each season is a different sort of, uh, I guess, expectations or, you know, where you're at. There's been past years, Andy, where, okay, that's fine. I mean, the entertaining loss phrase I thought was acceptable. Without, you know, some of those moments, you don't have the draft picks to trade for a Pascal Siakam or, you know, draft Benedict Mathern where you did. So, uh, but that right now uh, is not there. Uh, Based off preseason expectations, obviously the post-Siakam trade and the need to start Getting some winning moments for a franchise that has not had really any in the postseason in quite some time. I did want to uh, shift gears a little bit to the NFL. And I know Dan Campbell um, has been kind of the craze, if you will, of the sideline demeanor, just the general look. Uh, Obviously, his press conferences kind of speak for itself. I know a lot of the postgame locker room stuff has been... You know, going around, and, and certainly he's a fan favorite to a lot of people. I would say for those that are more of kind of old school NFL, he kind of checks that box for you. I think it's unfair to totally slot him into that box. I think you see the Lions, and you see a very aggressive mindset team, a very analytically driven team. Um, I mean, Campbell, I think, has made some very intelligent kind of in-game decisions. The whole Dan Skipper, you know, is the uh, tackle eligible we've seen. Uh, there is a new school approach to him as well, but I've been thinking about this for the last couple of weeks, Andy, on the what-if scenario with Dan Campbell. And if you go back to the 2018 season, or I guess the 2018 offseason, uh, Dan Campbell was a coaching candidate of the Colts. And to go through that cycle again, basically the Colts interviewed, among others, Mike Vrabel, Josh McDaniels, Matt Rule, Matt Nagy, all in that 2018 cycle. They obviously settled on McDaniels. We know what happened there. McDaniels leaves you at the altar. So then the Colts reset. And Chris Ballard said at that press conference, the morning after Josh McDaniels told the Colts no, 
we will have a new list of candidates. We will not double back on any of those previous candidates. I think Matt Rule might have been honestly the only one what, that they. What was your What was your thinking then? Is that what you need to do? Given that you've already interviewed guys, did you want to see him? Hey, take a step back and let's just reevaluate uh, reevaluate everything. Given that you know the franchise had been kind of embarrassed with McDaniel. Sure. Yeah, a lot of egg on its face. Oh, sure. Um, I, I would have to look back on the dates. I assume Matt Nagy to Chicago had already happened, and I would assume Mike Vrabel to the Titans had already happened. I know the Titans waited. To fire, um, what was it, Mike Malarkey uh, after yeah, their playoff win? Mike remember? Malarkey, yeah. They won a road name. playoff game at Kansas City. They still fired him. But they settled on three guys after McDaniels. Frank Reich was an interview. Leslie Frazier was an interview. And Dan Campbell was an interview. And it is very interesting to me to look back on and think, what would have changed with Dan Campbell here in Indianapolis as the hire? Because in a way... And I feel this way about Mike Woodson in Bloomington. I feel the same way about Frank Reich here in Indy. I don't think if Frank Reich has the prior connections here in Indy, it's as much of a slam dunk. I don't think if Mike Woodson has the prior connections oh, in sure. Bloomington, yeah, he wouldn't it's be the as head much coach of a slam no. dunk as it was at the time. Remember, you know, Reich's hire was heavily endorsed by a Bill Polian, someone that Jim Irsay wanted to reach out to right after the Josh McDaniels fiasco happened. That was a very, obviously a chaotic moment for the franchise, and that, that was a very, we have got to wipe our hands of this as quickly as possible, and we've got to settle on someone that our old guard likes. You're also vulnerable at that point as a franchise. So you go a little sure. safer. To what and, you know. You go to what you know. And McDaniels, you know, I, I think it's fair, like, there's a bit of a jackass element to him. So I think in recovering from that, you don't want to hire a jackass. And I'm not saying Dan Campbell is that by any means, but he was the least known internally, organizationally, of the three. Again, Leslie Frazier was on Tony Dungy's staff at one point here in Indy. Obviously, Frank Reich was here much longer. So when you get the endorsement from Polian, you get the endorsement from you know Peyton Manning even, that's why I think the quick move was there to Frank Reich. And to be fair to Frank, he was you know calling plays for a Super Bowl or the offense coordinator for a Super Bowl winning team at that very moment as well. Um, but I, I've just thought about what would life with Dan Campbell look like? <laughs> what would it's a lot different than Frank Reich. unfolded? Like, yeah. you know, is Andrew Luck 1000% hanging it up? Eh, probably. But, you know, that is just a very curious moment to me of what would Ballard and Campbell have been versus what would Ballard and Reich have been there. So um, something I've thought about because it's obviously a vastly different personality, vastly different demeanor than what you had with Frank Wright. What was the conversation around Dan Campbell? I think it was very minimal because, again, he was the least known. And I think it was pretty quickly of, you're moving to Reich. Um, You know, it was right after the Super Bowl happened. There obviously was a lot of momentum, I think, even nationally around Frank Wright getting an opportunity. Here's the guy that had worked with Phillip Rivers and, boy, Carson Wentz was at an MVP level. And then, oh, my gosh, look what he did with Nick Foles. Like, there was a lot of reason for that, you know, it, it, I guess in a way it'd be the same thing of, um, you know, I'm trying to think who one of these, if Ben Johnson all of a sudden if the Lions get to the Super Bowl and, and kind of that build up to him. But, um, you know, when you think about the public accountability from afar, it strikes me as that is there with the Lions. It strikes me as Campbell having that. And I think Shane Steichen has brought that. I thought that was an element that was not um, as harped on, focused on as it should have been under Reich. And what what would have been different? with Dan Campbell as the head coach because, again, he was one of the three candidates that did interview a second time around. Uh, and really, at that point, Andy, the Campbell resume had just been that 
You know, oh, just my, it's just Miami. He, he was interim just the interim in, in Miami with, with yeah. the Dolphins. Outside of that, he hasn't been a coordinator and he hadn't been a play caller. So I think there was still some skepticism with him there outside of obviously that interim stint in Miami, which you know garnered uh, some some attention for him. Well, I mean, first of all, the the personality between Dan Campbell and Frank Reich, boy, are there any two? <laughs> guys in the NFL who might be on the opposite ends no. of the spectrum than those two guys. And, and that's, that's why not, I bring up the one you know? Frank. No. That's not a slight at him. He says he has his personality and his demeanor and the way that he handled everything. And then you have Dan Gamble. <laughs> he doesn't handle things. You know what I what I what I find interesting about Campbell is you know, the NFL for a number of years, and, and I understand it, and even more so now, they have they very much catered to, hey, who is the who is the coordinator more specifically, who is the offensive coordinator that is going to figure things out with our quarterback? And then you think, you know, you bring in the analytics side of it. It's almost as if at the head coaching position, do you not feel this way? That the NFL for a number of years went away from kind of the macho personality. Well, leader of men was the phrase I feel like you heard a lot. Honestly, I think I was a bit of a Chuck Pagano hire. I mean, he guys want to run through a brick wall for him. Total agreement. Now right. it has changed to the sexy, young, offensive coordinator play caller because if you don't get quarterback right, you don't you, have a chance. Th- then you don't have and, a chance. And I right. think it's a fascinating debate to get into because Shane Steichen, I thought the offensive presence, again, Steichen and Callahan, those are the two names that I kept on coming back to because that stability on that side of the ball is so critical. You're talking Brian Callahan, who just took Correct. the job in Tennessee, who was the Bengals OC. Right. Okay, just that, for that people to my, know. Yeah, yeah Brian Callahan. That. that was my thought process last January of stability on the offensive side of the ball for a young quarterback is going to be vital. Uh, I think a lot of it depends on where you are state of a franchise, though. If you feel like you've got a little bit more of the quarterback figured out, like Harbaugh's background, of course, is offensively, but if he takes the Chargers job, right. that's more of the leader, that's more of the CEO. Right. Yes, obviously right. the OC hire is going to be critical, but Justin Herbert's pretty darn established right now. So I think it's interesting, and it comes in waves. Um, but it comes back to, if you look at the AFC, and, and now we're going to see a passing of the torch with it with Belichick leaving, and you know we'll see how much longer for Mike Tomlin, but if you look at the three winningest coaches in the AFC over the last 20 years, there's no debate on who the three are. It's Belichick, it's Tomlin, and it's John Harbaugh. And I guess maybe more the last dozen years, if you want to focus on that. And all three of them would fall into the CEO category. They don't have this rich, you know, Harbaugh and Tomlin did not have this rich background as a coordinator calling plays. Belichick had more of it than the other two. But those two were much more of the Dan Campbell molds of the position coach, right. uh, well, special teams, yeah. assistant head coach label on it. And that's the route to take. So it, it's just kind of interesting. And honestly, you see a variety with it, Andy, of the final four teams, both matchups. Kyle Shanahan is the play caller and the offensive guru versus the leader of men, if you will, in Campbell. And Andy Reid is the offensive guy and the play caller against more of the leader of men with John Harbaugh there. So it's just an interesting dynamic when you look at the uh, NFL as a whole. 
Yeah, you do. And, and you know what I was saying was like those two guys with Campbell and Frank are just are just polar opposites. The thing that would have been interesting for me, you know, you went back to 2018, right? The thing that would have been interesting to me is how how would the Colts have been viewed? Uh, and the reason I say that, you know, the Lions hired Dan Campbell in that first year. They went what three? I'm looking here, three thirteen in one. Is that what they did? There were, there were, we, were, we weren't seventeen games there, so Wikipedia's got to be wrong there. I mean, they were a three four win football team in that year. And then if you remember last year, they're the nine and eight team. They beat green Bay. They knock uh, Aaron Rodgers all the way to the jets. Okay. They, they, they ruin Aaron Rodgers so much that he goes to the jets and the revision. And now everyone loves Dan Campbell. It's funny to me because the revisionist history here. And I feel like this would have been possibly this way with the Colts. If the Colts would have hired him, like Leslie Frazier was a was was a hot name, and Josh McDaniels was a hot name, and obviously Frank Reich, you went through the the bona fides of what people liked with Frank Reich. I think the Colts, much like a little bit in Detroit, I think the Colts would have been laughed at. I think the Colts would have been laughed at. Yeah, that, that's I, what would, I think. It wouldn't have been the extent of Matt Rule. I mean, to be fair, they were already laughed at a lot after the McDaniels situation happened. Um, I think the Matt Rule one. That was one was like because that was Matt Rule, you know, early Baylor days or early oh, sure. Baylor. That's days. when he was a he was a program builder. It was like what in is 2018. Going, you know, a lot of people are like what is going on here? And I think we saw with Chris Boward in the last head coaching search. Like that is a man of his word when he says we are going to cast a wide net. I mean, how many people they interview last cycle? Like 12, 13 candidates. You know, it was a huge, huge number. Number. So I just bring that up because I don't think a lot of people realize. You know, Campbell's the talk of the NFL right now, and I don't think a lot of people realize he was a candidate of the Colts back. In 2018, I I do think one thing they've done a nice job of, and credit their GM Brad Holmes for this as well, that's the pairing up there in Detroit with Holmes and Campbell, is they have looked at you know, Jared Goff, and they have made sure to try and put some pretty elite weapons around him. Now, they're young, but if you look at their leading rusher on Sunday, that was a rookie in Jameer Gibbs. You look at their leading receiver, that was a rookie in Sam Laporta. And if you look at flip over to the other side of the ball, their leading tackler was also a rookie. Right. You know, you talk about it, the biggest game of the season, and you get three rookies to deliver on that stage for you. Um, well, you toss in Aiden Hutchinson, you, ta- you toss in, you know, David Montgomery picking him up in free agency sure. as a solid player. St. Brown's good. I, I just think, you know, for me, I-, I know for me, I just figured Campbell would be about a 500 coach right. and he would give us a great quote and he would be funny and he would be the guy that tells you how many, you know, shots of espresso he has in his coffee and he'd talk about biting kneecaps and he would have all these kind of code words and everything else and it'd be like, ah, oh, it's fun. It's the line. He can go win seven, eight, nine games in Detroit and maybe make Aaron Rodgers life hell or Kirk Cousins or, you know, Mark Dykton in the Chicago Bears. And now he's more than just and, a hard knock. No, guy. and now he's more than just the I'm going to be the guy that goes for it on fourth down. He was seen until this year, maybe later parts of last year, it was seen as football meathead guy. Oh, they didn't go out and get the smart guy. They didn't go out and get the quarterback guy. And I think even for for me, I'm speaking from experience, when they went out and made the move for Jared Goff, I'm thinking, what's Dan Campbell going to do? And then Jared Goff's not going to have McVay there 
Wasn't that the thought? I mean, didn't everyone think that? They, well, he's not going to have McVay there. Yeah, he, is Jared Goff. He's well, going to become Jared Goff that we always thought he was going to be. Is, you know, stopgap until they draft. Until they get somebody. The young right. QB. I, I do think they're today, an interesting team, man. Today is a very critical day in terms of what that NFC matchup looks like come Sunday. The Debo Samuel injury is huge. Um, I, the, the, these numbers, to me, are rather astonishing. Debo Samuel, back in October, Andy suffered a hairline fracture. Uh, in his shoulder. They lost that game 19-17. They then lost the next two games, scored 17 points in each of those games. So if you look at the game, he suffered the injury, and then the two very next weeks, 17 points for San Francisco in each of those games. With Debo Samuel this year, okay, when he has played on the field, these are their point totals. 30, 30, 30, 35, (laughs) 42, 34, 27, 21, 42, 28, 46, 19, and 27. It's pretty good. Three games of 17 without yeah. him. That's yeah, pretty good. Every other game's got more than that. I know. And a lot of them are injury. in the 30s and 40s. So this is such a monumental injury. The Kyle Shanahan update earlier in the week was there's no fracture, but there's a lot of pain. We'll get a better gauge on it Wednesday. So again, today we're at the first injury of the week. And it should be noted, while the Lions have gotten on, obviously a little bit of a run here, they have really struggled defending the pass. If you look at it, all these quarterbacks, whether it's Baker, whether it was Stafford, even Nick Mullins late in the season, they're kind of torching the Lions. They're they're throwing for 330 and 340 there. Um, that has been, you know, obviously a big, big number. I'll say one thing to add on the Lions, and I know a lot of IU fans laughed at me when I suggested Antoine Randall for the IU job back a few months ago. Uh their coaching staff, I think, has gotten a lot of notoriety and well deserved. Sure Obviously, the Ben Johnson, Aaron Glenn coordinator situation. But if you look at it, whether it is Randall L., I think Mark Brunel's on their staff. I mean, they have some interesting coaches that Campbell has put under. There's him. a lot of former players. I mean, that's what he did. I want to give former players a chance to be a coach, and he did. And if you, I mean, look at that wideout group. That's yeah. a lot of guys. Whether it's Josh Reynolds, the development of St. Brown. I mean, a lot of those guys under Randall L., especially, has been great. So. Um, cannot wait for that one on Sunday. I, I think Chiefs Ravens. We don't maybe have as many kind of frontline injuries. Probably the big one there would be: Do we see Mark Andrews? Um, he's been out for a while now. He has practiced the last couple of weeks. He is the most consistent target for Lamar Jackson. That'll be one to watch. Yeah, I, I don't know. This will be for you know later in the week, Thursday, Friday. We can talk about do you you know do you feel Baltimore and Kansas City that that's going to be uh, you know that that's going to be the Super Bowl winner? I will say as much as we have praised the Lions, couple things. As much as we have praised the Lions, you know if they go out, do you still and, hate them? And uh, no, I just don't need to feel sorry for all their fans. I actually like Dan Campbell a good amount. I actually like that he's. Like the football macho guy in a in a sport where there's not as many of those, and a guy like Mike Tomlin, you know, they kind of want his job and stuff like that. So I'm all about it. And he gives a great uh, a great quote. I know John Harbaugh has some of that in him, but I mean, he doesn't have the. He's much older now and calculated, whereas you know Campbell's still kind of a crazy guy. I did love. I looked up. I'm just looking at his Wikipedia. You know, the first sentence of Dan Campbell's, the second sentence, it tells you that he has two children and a wife. Okay. Dan Campbell, 
The second thing, Mark, you'll love this. Just a bunch of like dog noises, yeah, yeah. right? Barks and everything. Campbell is a noted fan of Metallica. Okay. And oh. during his time at Texas A&M. Well, I think that checks out. He that does. Was, it does. He was nicknamed Dan Talica by his roommate Shane Leckler. <laughs> the punter, Shane Leckler? <laughs> yeah, that exactly. I was thinking, wait a minute. Dan Campbell, uh, the big macho tight end, I'm going to bite a kneecap. He was roomed with Shane Leckler, the punter? How did those two become friends? Dan Campbell in his playing days had the long hair, too, so he could probably pull off a pretty good James Hetfield impression. Say, I, I can imagine maybe a couple of drinks thrown back in oh that dorm God. room. Oh, God, can you imagine that? Just some Metallica. Uh, just two quick other things in the NFL. So there's the Dan Campbell stuff. We'll see what happens in that game. Uh, Mike Florio, whether you like him or not, ProFootballTalk.com uh, pro and NBC, so you don't like Mike no. Florio. Okay, well, that's fair enough. Let me cross him he off is, the guest list possibilities <laughs> real is, quick. He has thrown it out there. Yes, I think he sucks probably led to that. Um, He has thrown out there the rumors in the league that Bill Belichick wants to go to a team that doesn't have a lot of media. Uh, And so just throw that out there. I don't know if Atlanta would fit that. I guess they do. I I don't get that at all. Atlanta would probably have the most media, right? Well, I think anywhere Belichick goes, the you know, if there's the normal media throng, if you will, in Indianapolis, however, they want a team to move to Billings, Montana. That's what I'm asking. You know, Belichick goes there; it's going to double maybe the number of uh, excitement of people that are going to be watching it. So that's a storyline that you'll see on the internet today. That's how you get the reporters asking about the weather in Detroit to Todd Bowles. (laughs) What a stupid storyline. Well, I, I would say this: the place that you would think about that would be Tennessee and that job obviously is gone and the other one just to throw it out there uh you know we've talked to you know obviously we'll talk a lot of Colts here you know Harbaugh Jim Harbaugh going to the Chargers that does affect the Colts and it does because the Chargers with Brandon Staley or some of these other goofs that they've had as head coach you haven't really had to worry about them too much you add Herbert now with with Jim Harbaugh, you're going to have to worry about the Chargers. It may not be this coming season, but the year after year two of Harbaugh, that team is going to be in the playoffs. So we talk about wild cards and expansion in the playoffs and the playoffs themselves and I mean, the AFC it, South and everything else. A, this is an elite coach going to the AFC. Well, again, more than if anything, and I'll echo what I said last year, I think it's a golden era for the AFC. I think there's depth in this conference like you haven't seen. Sure, you know, there are years of Manning, Brady, Rivers, Roethlisberger where it was super top-heavy. I don't recall depth. I mean, Andy, correct me if I'm wrong, but we didn't have Burrow, Herbert, or Trevor Lawrence in the playoffs this year? Yes. Yeah, I mean, of course, yeah, I'm trying to think. And, you know, Aaron Rodgers didn't make it no, the Jets, and there was that issue. Yeah, but I, I, guys thought, that play, yeah. no, that would be yeah. it. Yeah, And I get if you want to throw Rodgers into that group, but... Just throw the three, I guess, younger guys. I'm trying to, you know, project forward for the next handful of years. You would think that those three franchises, yeah, there are questions that need to be answered, but they all feel very good about their quarterbacks. And then, you know, there are probably some other markets that look at Indy and say, guys, you know, Anthony Richardson was pretty good in a small sample size. They're going to be there. So, yeah, I, I just think it adds to uh, what the AFC is going to look like for for years. I, to come. I think you look at the AFC. And I, until the Jets do something, I always rule them out, okay? So I'll give you the Jets. I think the Patriots are going to be stinky next year. Um, and I would probably throw in, what, Tennessee and Vegas. Still, are we going to buy into Antonio Pierce making the playoffs? 
I, I would take those four teams out. You may say, hey, Andy, Aaron Rodgers, he's going to at least give Part the Jets throw one. Denver into that Sure, mm-hmm. you could throw Denver. Sean Payton, you know, they're paying him a lot of money. No quarterback, I think. So you have four teams-ish that you don't believe in. But I don't know. I mean, the, the, the other 12 teams, you could easily make a case for those teams winning 10 games and making the postseason. Every single one of them. Yeah, again, I, I just I look at the youth of the quarterbacks here in the AFC, and if you look at, um, you know, from a rookie quarterback standpoint of the four drafted high, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, you know, you feel very good about C.J. Stroud. I think you feel pretty good about Richardson. The one NFC guy is probably the one you have the most questions about. Hell, uh, Will Levis might have had more positive moments than Bryce Young did in his rookie Oh, I would say, I would say he did. I mean, Bryce Young is being viewed as, as ruined in one year. That they've had the, the I forget and I forget who Dan Morgan their new GM I was listening maybe it was Jeremy Fowler I can't remember who it was on ESPN they mentioned a name we haven't talked about to be the head coach in Carolina it, it was an offensive I can't I I shouldn't have even brought it up because I can't remember but it was an OC it was none of the names was it the Bucks that we guy talk, that's who it was Canales? that's who it was. That's who it was. It was Tampa Bay's OC. For He's what a good he, looking dude. Is he a good looking guy? Yeah, I don't know if he can look him up. Yeah. What's his name? I remember seeing him on the TV. I was like, I hope he goes off the TV before Maddie sees him. Dave Canales. Yeah, that's him. Let me look up his images here. Oh, yeah. It's this guy. He is a great looking guy. He's got the perfect five o'clock shadow beard. He's got the he's got the fade. It's looking good. Can't really follow up on anything else. No. Five openings, right? Still left. Yep. So that would be Carolina. That would be Tennessee. That would be Atlanta. I just don't and understand that'd be the Chargers, And that'd be the Seahawks. So if Belichick wants the smallest media contingent, I mean, wouldn't that be Carolina? I mean, it probably would be. I, but I don't just, we only hear Belichick's name with Atlanta? He hasn't interviewed anywhere else, has Belichick. I don't think, you know, it's not long. Some of these teams, they don't want Belichick. We talked about this yesterday. Which would I, you, I would you rather have the OC, a Shane Steichen type, or Belichick, who has went after Tom Brady not being able to figure out, not even the quarterback position, the entire offense? I, I, which I don't think is the craziest thing in the world. I don't think Belichick is this foolproof answer that, boom, all of a sudden he magically appears and you're having parades. I, I don't view him in that light. There is a guy that wants a ton of control. You can make the argument. A bit stubborn, maybe, in some of his ways, and... Those New England years, the past few years, that was awful. And that, I don't think, is some slam dunk by any means. And then, yeah, I don't think you can totally ignore the age either on that end. All right, uh, coming up in a few, pop quiz, 317-239-1070 for that. Got a great effort yesterday on the pop quiz. We'll see if we can duplicate that uh, before it. Let's morning check down. Yeah, let's start with the Pacers. A lot of Pacer conversation this morning. 114-109, your final last night in Gamebridge, Denver over Indiana. Pacers now 24-20 and on the season. We've talked a lot this morning as well about Pascal Siakam. 16-10, and got that double-double uh, in the loss last night. Post-game, Rick Carlisle, head coach Carlisle, talking about Siakam. Siakam's a good player. He's going to be very consistent. He's gonna he's gonna bring something very valuable to almost every element of our game, offensively and defensively. When Tyrese is back, it will enhance his game even more. But right now, we're uh, we're very lucky to have him uh, with Tyrese out because you know he can do he can do a lot of things that can help us. 
Yeah, I thought a complicated night for Siakam. Great early, 10 of the first 18. Denver threw a lot of attention at him moving forward. He was pretty quiet when he did get opportunities. Didn't really score much there in the second, third, even the early fourth. I think he finished three of his last 12. But, man, there were some moments in the fourth quarter where I thought he made the right plays, got guys open looks, and just clank after clank after clank. Miles Turner, Aaron Neesmith would be atop the list there. Uh, Some chances in the fourth quarter to steal one, and the Pacers could not get it done there. So they have now lost three straight, five of six. The third quarter is the one you circle. Nice halftime cushion. Pacers outscored 39-13 to there in the third quarter. One note on Halliburton. For those curious, you know, was there any sort of re-injury? Was there any sort of moment in that Portland game that might have been an issue? I tweeted out a video yesterday from the Portland game on a play. It looked like he grimaced a bit. Um, certainly a wince. I know Quinn Buckner really stressed it on the on the telecast, and there were moments where the camera is away from Halliburton. Obviously, Quinn Buckner's there, can see it a little bit more. Um, if you want to kind of point to a moment where Halliburton might have had any sort of setback, I know that's not something Carlisle mentioned to us. I think you could point to some of that video from Friday night. So again, Philly tomorrow, Phoenix Friday, and they'll close out the homestand with Memphis Sunday afternoon. Last night, uh, two very nice wins for Butler and Purdue. Butler was just a four-and-a-half-point favorite, and they absolutely dominated Georgetown in the nation's capital, pulled away from the Hoyas late in the first half, and they rolled to a 90-66 to win. That sets up a big stretch upcoming for the Bulldogs with plenty of opportunities to try and improve their NCAA tournament chances. And Purdue, talk about a nice cover there of a 17-and-a-half-point spread. They win by 32 last night. Zach Eady at 16-10, and 10, but more importantly, Lance Jones, who we talked about earlier. I think he is a huge difference maker for Purdue being better equipped for the month of March this year. He had 27. Braden Smith, nearly a triple-double, 11-10-7. And, and again, Andy Sweeney, I'm still astonished by this. Purdue played the first 28 minutes of the game <laughs> last night without a turnover. Yeah, like how do you not throw the ball out of bounds one time? Like, how do you not do it? Dribble I mean, come it off on. your foot? Yeah, you dribble it off your an foot. An double team, yeah. all of a sudden it gets stripped and a, it's not called a, a foul. Go, you know? A guy goes the wrong way, runs the wrong play. Like, none of that happened uh, against Michigan. By the way, I didn't know this, and I feel stupid. I knew the Purdue spread. Butler was only a four-and-a-half point favorite last night. Four-and-a-half point road oh, favorite. Boy. I feel like there was money to be made there that we all dropped the ball. I mean, I dropped the ball. I don't mind saying it. 90-66 Butler over Georgetown there. Again, they've got Villanova Saturday afternoon. Thad Mata going to join us Friday. we still got one more pair of tickets to give away to Butler and Villanova. I think they're expecting close to, if not a sellout, over at Hinkle for their checker out coming up on Saturday afternoon. So we'll do that later in the week. Shout out to, who was our guy earlier today who won it, Mark? Uh, Travis. Travis. Travis with the Pierre yeah, Brooks job, Travis. score mentioned earlier for the Bulldogs. Yeah, just a couple quick notes before we get to our pop quiz. Baseball Hall of Fame class announced Adrian Beltre, Joe Maurer, Todd Helton, Jim Leland uh, all making the, uh, the not only the ballot, all Beltre getting the nod. Football. Oh, Beltre's a beast, man. Oh, yeah. He's, he's a, a beast. Dude. Well, so is Maurer, by the way. He's a catcher. So, so obviously, they already put out the Todd Helton when he got the call. Uh, you know, the, the emotion, the family and friends and everything, the crying. So those are always great videos. Again, uh, Joe Maurer, Todd Helton, Jim Leland, Adrian Beltre get the nod there. The Raiders hiring Tom Telesco as their general manager. I know a name uh, that's seen around here a lot. Adrian Griffin fired there by the Milwaukee Bucks. It's believed Doc Rivers 
is going to end up taking over. Uh, he was already helping out in an advisory role, I guess, ever since one of the times the Pacers beat the Bucks. I think it was in-season tournament. He started to be an advisor, and now the Visor probably going to just become the head coach there with Doc Rivers. They give game ball to Adrian Griffin on the way out. No, they didn't, but I'm interested if Giannis and Dame Lillard get a little prima donna, especially Giannis gets that prima donna label a little bit. They've cycled through some coaches. They fired a guy midseason. Uh, what, one of their assistants, Stotts, who was there, uh, obviously, for Dame Lillard. He quit. I, I just The game ball incident, I'm, I'm wondering if he's going to catch a little bit of a label here in the NBA. You care about I'm the McDonald's interested. All-American game at all? Uh, yeah, I still care about it. I know the transfer portal matters, but... You know, I think you need a couple guys uh, if you're going to build a program. You still need a guy or two who's a McDonald's All-American or a five-star who is well thought of in the Jordan game or whatever it may be. Shout yeah. out to a member of the Cats. I would be a Cats with a K. Flory Badunga becoming the first uh, high schooler from Kokomo to be a McDonald's All-American. That was announced yesterday for Indiana fans out there. Liam McNeely also is an All-American. And I think there are some whispers that maybe IU could get a commit from Derek Queen, mm-hmm. big guy. As well, I saw Zach Osterman put this out there. If indeed Queen commits to Indiana, Andy, it'd be the first time since 94. Wow. That Indiana would have a pair of McDonald's (laughs) All-Americans from the same class uh, entering Bloomington. I know we're running behind, but this is what I did when I followed Kentucky basketball and Calipari had a stinky team or a team that couldn't win the tournament, you know, that couldn't win the national title. This is how you, it's called the magic trick. You got to get people looking ahead to next year. Uh, and with two Mike Downs All-Americans, that would be something that you would be doing if you're Mike Woodson. Probably something here in the next month he's going to have to do. Any concern that they are not necessarily guards? Yes. I, I would, yes, get, look at their team this year. Right. I, I, yeah, right. and they lost out on Boogie Flan. Yeah, I don't, right now, I don't totally trust Mike Woodson when it comes to guard, which is they not a good kill thing. They didn't kill us. reference to their bench. <laughs> By the way, I heard Rick Carlisle gave us a shout-out last night. Well, He I, did. I, I, I don't know if it was a direct shout-out, but he encouraged everyone to listen to Tuesday at 8 a.m. on 107.5 The Fan. We might have that audio. I encourage everybody to tune in on Tuesday mornings. There's occasional breaking news. I like that. It's a good job by Look him. Look at that. It's yeah, a good job nice by him. him. Not, been... not everyone attributed us, but Rick Carlisle did, and <laughs> damn it, did. that's all that matters. Maybe he was in. listening <laughs> to the podcast. I forgot teed up. He's like, I got nothing else to do. That's all that matters there. Uh, pop quiz in a few. 317-239-107. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, Ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. We'll do that next. Have you studied? Can you handle the pressure? Sharpen your pencils. It's time for the pop quiz with KB and Andy. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube, Indiana's favorite oil change since 1985. 
All right, pop quiz time here on the wake up call. 239-1070. We'll get to those calls here in just a second. Mark Dykton, I don't know if you've seen it. A change in Green Bay. Joe Barry, their defensive coordinator, has been fired. Oh, breaks my heart. Uh, he will not be coming back. Many, I know Packer fans were worried. It's like, hey, if we uh if we if we win in San Francisco, we're not gonna be able to fire our defensive coordinator. So Joe Colts Barry play, will not be back. Colts play the Packers next year, I believe. Mm-hmm. I'll yeah, do they that. play the NFC North. Mark, is, is that in Green Bay? Game, is that in Soldier Field? Or? I believe that's here. Here, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I want to get somebody on for that one. You ought to be. You ought to be on the field. Want we'll to hook Mark Dighton up for that Those one? Those NFC field matchups yeah. are always fun. They're once every eight years. You know, in yeah. A, yeah, basically in, in a specific building there. So I'm trying to think. Lambeau was 2016, so that means this would be. I think Green Bay is here. I can now Packers is going to be coming to the crib, as the kids would say. ESPN is already done. Look What's that, that up, Mark. I'm looking right now. ESPN's already done a, a projection that oh. the Packers are in the Super Bowl next year. So. Oh, God. Yeah, get ready. Uh, home games for the Colts in 2024. Obviously, the divisional games, Steelers, Dolphins, Bills, Lions, Bears, Packers is on the road with the Vikings, Broncos, Jets, Patriots, Giants. So Bears and Lions are the AFC North games or the NFC North games Bears, here? Lions are the home games in 2024 for the NFC North. It's really an intriguing quarterback slate at oh, home. Yeah. It's a, it's a good so, slate. It's a good slate. Really looking forward. Way better than this, this yeah. past year. Those are some fan bases, too, that will bring some ticket sales, for uh, sure. What did you make, before we get to the pop quiz, what did you make of the Terry Rozier trade to Miami? Okay, so... I had no idea he was averaging 23 points per game. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. And it's, I know Charlotte stinks. It's a bad team. you got to get to 100 points or, or whatever is a big it is. number, though. But it is a big number. Rozier's a good player. He's been seen very much as kind of a kind of a black hole, kind of a gun. You know, he's gonna he's not gonna pass a lot. So I'm interested, and he goes to the Heat culture. How that's gonna work out? He's not a super efficient player, but again, he's been on a bad team. If nothing else, I mean, you're right there in the standings with him. If you're the Pacers, it's not good because all they gave up was Lowry and Kyle Lowry. For I mean, come on, I mean, Kyle Lowry was done for the most part. So Rogier Lowry is an upgrade. Say that again. Lowry's T.J. McConnell. Oh, I would. I, I think I would just rather have T.J. McConnell. Like Lowry's kind of seen as a little pudgy. Well, I mean, <laughs> just because his figure looks a little <laughs> off doesn't mean I the guy they were doppelgangers. I, mean, I, I would. I, I would. Well, I'd they rather, don't look alike, but I. I well, think you think they're, they're games? Of, okay, I think they're maybe. similar player. Lowry's kind of a pest. McConnell's a okay, pest. Okay, I could see that. I, I just, I, I would rather have TJ McConnell now. So so far, what we've seen in the East, I find this interesting. The five, six, and seven seeds have already made trades, yeah, and, and notable ones. I mean, Ananobi, Lowry, or um, uh, Rogier, and of course Siakam. Again, right now, just a little bit of a standings look. Obviously, we're probably you know, a month or so away from this becoming a little bit more pressing. But, Andy, the five seed, the Knicks, uh, the Pacers are three games back of them. The six seed is Miami. The Pacers are a half game back of them. And the six seed, obviously, is critical because that gets you out of the play-in. The Pacers are the seven seed. The Magic, the eight seed. So that means a play-in would occur right now between the Pacers and the Magic. And I think it's worth pointing out the Magic have already clinched the head-to-head. Oh, it's they a bad have, matchup. Everyone's talked about it. They already have yeah. the tiebreaker if that matters. Now the Pacers have beaten the Knicks once already this season. They will play February first. They will play February tenth. So if we talk about Halliburton and return dates, the first obviously being a little bit more pressing. Uh, that's an important one to keep an eye on here. They will decide uh, who wins the head-to-head tiebreaker here before the All-Star break. Yeah, if you made me guess. 
they probably the Pacers don't catch the Knicks. If you if you just made me extrapolate the season, what I think happens, but I still think Miami the load management Miami does with Bam and Jimmy Butler, and then I'm just not I'm just not as high on Cleveland and Donovan Mitchell. You already have a couple wins, yeah, do you not the against four them right now? Correct. Yeah, they're the four now. They have one less win than the five in the Knicks, but they played that they played less games, so it's still very jumbled. Again, maybe a month away, perhaps from really really focusing uh, on it but I to me uh, Orlando's a terrible matchup I mean all we've been told about is how now how Siakam changes that I would imagine he would have to change that but I mean all I've heard is how you know big young and athletic and multiple Orlando is that that would be a bad matchup well that's all we've heard for two games like just six eight six nine dudes causing the Pacers fits there all right it's time for the pop quiz Scotty J special here um, I'm looking at it right now. The answers don't seem like you know Warren Spahn's well, the first great one's easy. to dated Cy Young's <laughs> stepson here. So I feel like it is doable. Uh, Andy Swinney, you want to give us a number? Uh, let's go caller number two. How does that sound, Mark? Jason. Number two. Jason, good morning, man. How are you? Doing good. How you doing? Good. Hey, you ready Jason, to get, I'm ready having a headset issue, so let me plug you in. How are you? I uh, can't complain. Wouldn't do me any good anyways, right? <laughs> You just need to buy your own headsets. You know that, right? If you just need to give in and buy your own headsets, KB. Hate if to I tell just you. Just get the cord, just massage just correctly here. I think I can hear Jason. Uh-oh. I got oh you, boy. Jason. You want to share? Did you, it, did you get it massaged well? Well, easy now. All right. Let's not go down. <laughs> so enough about Robert Deshaun Watson. Yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe it's best that I don't hear Jason's voice here. Uh, you want to lead off with number one <laughs> yes. while I try to figure this out? All right, let's go. Question number one. Let's uh, let's get a winner here, Jason. It's, uh, it's conference championship weekend in the NFL. The winner of the NFC championship game is awarded the George Hallis Trophy. What does the winner of the AFC championship game receive? Is it the Pete Rozelle Trophy? The Lamar Hunt Trophy, the Al Davis Trophy, or the Don Shula Trophy? Come on, it's an easy one. The Lamar Hunt Trophy. There we go. There we go. Honor the owner of the Chiefs. Now, aren't there some people that have they've sent me pictures of maybe, is that Lamar Hunt's granddaughter? Uh, Gr- oh, Gracie yeah. Hunt? Gracie Hunt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. She's attractive, if you haven't guessed, oh, by I my can, oh yes, cleaning uh, up drool by into your the desk uh, right into the microphone. Oh, yeah, my my partner's foaming <laughs> at the mouth here. Jason, number two, the Lions are in the NFC title game for the first time since '91. Uh, the Lions have not won an NFL championship since 1957, when they blew out the Browns 59-14 in Detroit. Who did the Lions beat in the '57 Western Conference Championship game to reach that title contest? Did they beat the Chicago Bears, the Green Bay Packers, the Baltimore Colts, or the San Francisco 49ers? Mm, I'm going to go with the... Or the first two? Uh, the Bears or the Packers, they're not the right answers. Oh, okay. Then it was uh, then it's the 49ers, I'm going to say. All right, good start for Jason. Question number three. The Pacers fell to Denver last night as they've now lost eight... Uh, eight in a row to the Nuggets. Which NBA team owns the longest active losing streak to any single team? Is it the Pacers? Is it the Pistons, the Kings, or the Rockets? I'll say the Pistons. Number four, Jason, on this day in 82. What year were you born, Jason? 1993. 93 here. I appreciate you tuning in. On this day in 82, the first Super Bowl between the 49ers and the Bengals took place. 
Where was Super Bowl 16 held? Was it the Orange Bowl in Miami, the Silver Dome in Pontiac, Michigan, Tampa Stadium, or Louisiana Superdome? Well, I'm definitely not old enough for that. No, no, but, uh, no, you're not. Uh, what teams were they again? The Bengals and the 49ers, you said? Yeah, Bengals, 49ers, and a nice controlled climate. Nice controlled climate. What were the, what were the locations one more time? Orange Bowl. Silver Dome, Tampa Stadium, the Louisiana Superdome. Let's go with Tampa Stadium. You I, sure? Maybe not. Maybe it was uh, the first one. <laughs> A controlled climate. Very controlled. One time, Belichick didn't high-five little kids in this building. <laughs> Hulk Hogan oh. body-slammed Andre the Giant there. Uh, did he really? helps at all. Wow. Purdue hopes to be in this city for the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight. Wait, what was the second one, then? Uh, the Silver Dome. <laughs> Is it the Silver Dome? Did he say Silverdome? It sounded like it to me. Silverdome. Silver Good job, Bob. Yeah. Good job, Jason. Silver Dome. We got 12 minutes before we're off the air. We got to move this uh, All right, don't worry. It's a hockey question. You're not going to get this one right anyway. Uh, sorry, the, this one I didn't see at yeah. the start. The Edmonton Oilers won their 14th game in a row last night as they knocked off the Columbus Blue Jackets. Of course, we all knew that. The Oilers, yeah. the Oilers are three wins away from tying the NHL record for the longest winning streak. Who holds the record? Is it the Oilers? The Blue Jackets, the New York Islanders, or the Pittsburgh Penguins? Pittsburgh Penguins. Jason, did you grow up in this market? No. Sounds like you grew up in an NHL market with that answer. Where'd you grow up? Hey, I mean, I grew up in Indianapolis. I mean, like, my whole life. My my family's from California. My dad's a big Lakers fan. And, I mean, I've just been in sports my whole life. So, I I mean, I'm a long-time listener, to be honest. Just first-time caller, so. Well, appreciate that. Who's your? uh, If you grew up in Indy, I I assume Peyton Manning would rank high on the list of your all-time favorite athlete. Who was uh, maybe in the non-Manning division locally your favorite athlete? Um, Honestly, I love Halliburton. Like, what he's doing, like, right now is just a big fan of me. I mean, like, uh, Pacers are just, I'm, I'm loving it, man. Like, I haven't been able to see them have this much fun in a while, so. A special talent, and again, as I've said all along, and I could be proven wrong at some point, but I think he really checks that box off the floor as well. All right, that was quite the pop quiz there. Um, I, I'd call that complicated. I call that describing. Yeah, Jason did a good job. Pascal Siakam's night. Yeah, he did fine. Uh, Gracie Hunt's grandpa, right? Yes. Lamar Hunt trophy. Yes, Lamar Hunt. Yeah, they're the Hunt family. They're the, they're the ketchup, right, Scotty? What was that I mean, from, Mark? It was no, you. it's Pittsburgh. That's right. Hinesfield, yeah. Heavy yeah. breathing, yeah. I don't know if I like that one. Uh, 49ers <laughs> yeah. was correct. Did he say Silverdome? <laughs> yeah. We eventually, we eventually got to the Silverdome. Is that it? Yeah. Did he miss three yeah. and five? Yeah, he missed number three and number five. Number three, who has the uh, the longest active losing streak to a single team. That would be the uh, Sacramento Kings have lost 15 straight to the Bucks, their last win against Milwaukee was February first of 2016. Goodness! Saw wow. people were saying yesterday Adrian Griffin got fired because they only beat the Pistons by a few. <laughs> that was his punishment. I, I, people always it. come out and they're just dumping on Adrian Griffin now. All the things he didn't do. I didn't Who realize cares? his son was AJ Griffin for the Hawks. Yeah, the, the Duke yeah. top ten pick yeah. from a couple years ago. All right, we'll do it one final timer. Yeah, final segment, reminder, loaded today. Going to be a lot of Pacer conversation, I'm sure, on the station. Query and company coming your way at noon, JMV at 3 o'clock. What has Kevin Bowen got cooking today? You got, you're got you looking at me with your phone in your hand. You got something. Well, you guys are coming over tonight. You said 7 sure. o'clock, Notre, Notre Dame, Dame, Miami. I got the street um, taco dip. 
So that'll be Buff Chick Dip, I believe, is what Andy was saying for him. So I'm looking forward to having you guys over to watch Notre Dame in their green jerseys. Very quiet night for sports locally, I will say, though. Uh, We're in Indiana State mode, Andy, where they just need to keep on winning, baby, to try and strengthen that resume. Joe Lenardi's got them as their fifth team out right now. Fifth team out. Okay, at large. If they don't win the Mo Valley tonight at 8 o'clock, Illinois, Chicago, Indiana State, an 11.5 point favorite. They are in the mode of just quiet wins, keep on moving on, and hopefully that's enough come mid-March. Yeah, I'm looking at it. It's not a great slot of college basketball today. Uh, it's really not. I mean, Notre Dame Miami's all the way up on ESPN2. Uh, that's a joke. <laughs> How about I, that? I was shocked to see that. Thank the Lord, though. Give me, my, uh, give me uh, Notre Dame plus a number. There we go. Uh, look at that. There we go. So everybody have a great Wednesday. Podcast will be 